Welcome to episode 294 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. I am today with Jason in a room called the Malkovich Lounge in Cross Campus in Pasadena. We have a new memory card, which is 16 gigabytes big, so there's no way we're going to go over. And we have new cables, so there should be no pops. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, good. <laughs> so how much all this new gear cost you? Not much. 20 bucks for each cable and the, the cards were just, you know, not, not too much. Great. I can't remember how much the card was, but not a lot. Well, that's money well spent because there's nothing like losing a show to just it's take the wind so out of your sails, annoying. you know, <laughs> especially when you've had a good, you know, 30, 40 minutes and you're yeah. like, oh, that was all good content. And then it's like, you have two options. Either A, you just don't cover that stuff or B, you cover it and it's just sort of a pale... A hollowed version. I of know the, of the same thing that we just did. Yeah, sucks. So that's great. Thanks it also for doing doubly that. sucks because when there's more time between the shows, the material's better. I find uh, there's more to catch up on, and so yeah, it's just an extra suckiness about it. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a while. Two ninety four. Yeah, what? Uh, let's just see. March fourteen. This was posted, so. which means we did it about a month ago. Yeah, I think it took me a week to get get the notes done. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, wow. <laughs> a month ago, geez. So what's new with you? Um, well, you know what? I've just given you a bottle of Soylent version 2.0. I would quite like you to try it on the show and see what you think. Give it a little okay, shake. Okay, let me try it. Can I? I just ate lunch. I'm oh. stuffed. Let, let me eat it towards the end of the show. Well, but it won't be cold then. And then it was going to be kind of gross. All just right. have a taste. All right, all. Just, just open like a normal? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's a bit weird the way it opens. Oh, maybe you got it. Okay. Wow. Super strength. Just brute force it. <laughs> well, I was not saying. If it doesn't fit, force it. If it breaks, it needs replacing anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I've done a little a soylent experiment, which... Um, Do I need to shake this thing up? Why did, well, just, just in case, you know. All right, so Jason is shaking the soylent. What flavor? It, there is only one flavor. It's, it's soylent. That's ah, it. Ah, okay. So this is version... So just, just oh, a little geez. bit of history. There's version 1.5, which comes in powder, and you have to mix it yourself and add your own oil. And then this one is ready-made, version 2.0. Jason just tasted it. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, I get this. Uh, he's tasting it again. For some reason, it's hard to breathe after you drink some of it. <laughs> Second taste. I don't mind it. Is right? it oatmeal? It's kind of, kind of like, it. yeah, that's right. It's kind of like oatmeal-ish with a bit, a bit of malt, right? Yeah, I like it. I can do it. Mmm. Good shit. So it's exactly 400 <laughs> calories. So, so with, the, with the bottles, they, they start off um, with, I think it's a $29 subscription. They'll, they'll ping you 12 bottles a month. And it's exactly 400 calories per bottle. So five of them will give you 2,000 in a day. So it's very specific nutrition, you know, yeah, well, obviously measured. Well, one of the keys to an effective diet is that you have a real clear idea of how much, how many calories you're consuming. Right. I mean, the problem is, a lot of time is you keep, well, usually you're underestimating how many calories. It's yeah. hard to overestimate. Yeah. You know, um, usually you're underestimating. Right. You're like, oh, that was probably 300 and it was 450. And yeah, so what's your what's your story? Are you doing this every day? No, no, let, well, I'll tell you. So, so the story is that Thorsten, who you introduced me to, yeah. um, he's also a, a cross-campus member, and we'll, we'll get into the whole cross-campus thing. Yeah. Why are we here in the first place? Um, he had been doing that, and I tried Soylent 1.5, you know, the original Soylent. You didn't I like it. I wasn't it was too, too um, 
It's just yeah. too chalky. Chalky just, is that? What it just could. wasn't nice. But this one, when I tr- he gave me a bottle to try, and I was like, I feel really full after this, and the taste of it's really delicious. Like I, re- I could really. The great thing about it is it doesn't offend your taste memory. You know, you know how like something where it's just too strong or it's just too weird, but this is just bland enough, but just off bland that it's kind of like you wouldn't really get sick of it. I'm trying to think of what the hell it reminds me of. Bread? No, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. No, what is it? It's what like it a... reminds me of, you know, after you finish a bowl of cereal, the milk at the bottom? That's what it reminds me of. Like the milk. The milk yeah, that you I, can, I can see that kind of, you know, you're, you know, aftertaste, you keep like kind of swallowing again. Like, what is that aftertaste? It's sort of like, <laughs> you yeah. know, like maybe a kind of a bread or something. Yeah, it's, it's, the, I mean, it's, it's kind it's of good. savory, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just good. a touch of very, very subtle sweet. So what's your what's your plan? Okay, well, so the first thing was I, I ordered it and tried it out. And I noticed that I tried it for a week. And what I noticed was that I felt using it as a first thing to drink when I woke up and then maybe the next meal when I felt hungry. It, it just made me really stabilize mm-hmm. in terms of eating. So I found it really easy to just use two or three of those and then have a meal with Georgie. Problem was... I measured my blood sugar after it. There's this thing called postprandial, I think it is. Okay. Two postprandial, two hours after a meal, mm-hmm. my blood sugar was two three hundred. Three hundred. Wow. Which every time, every time I had one of those, my blood sugar went up to three hundred two hours after. So that's not workable. So then I really like the idea of just doing two shakes, and I've been on a hunt for something that doesn't do that. So I've tried about 15 different types and I've settled down on one, but I tried something called keto chow. Keto chow. <laughs> As in like ketosis, truly. like when you go on ketosis. Yeah. Like and it's, and it's like, it's, it's, I, I personally, I didn't like it. Like a lot of people you, I use it, but I personally didn't like it. And it's like a shake? It. Well, so you know how Soylent have this kind of do-it-yourself kit that lets uh-huh. you measure all the things and you can put different ingredients in like that little kind of spreadsheet thing. A bunch of people made different ones out of that. So, this is one of one of the people who made that. I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, um, I wasn't too hot in that. Right. And then there was another one of those called Keto Soy or Soy Keto. Oh, Ariato, Soy Keto. <laughs> but okay. um, that kind of was like dog foodish, <laughs> which uh. I wasn't too into. Um, so then I was like, you know, it doesn't have to be the whole full meal thing. Maybe I'll just try kind of protein shakes or whatever. So I went to Whole Foods and just bought a whole bunch of different ones. And had read some interesting studies about it. One interesting study was that plant protein is better for diabetics because it it affects the kidneys left okay. so less. So um, finally, I've settled on this one called Vega One. Okay. And um, I'm just I've just done it for a couple of days, and it's 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 good. Um, so I'm just going to be drinking that every you know morning and and afternoon. So that'll be your your first two meals of the day. Yeah, and so the meal. carbs are super low and it doesn't spike my blood sugar. Yes, that's my first so, two meals. So was the carbohydrate the sugar was this just too high in sugar? What was it? It's basically maltodextrin and it's very it's kind of slow releasing. It's supposed to have a low GI, but there's a lot of it in there. There's like there's like like a, a decent amount of carbs. I mean, mm. like a 30 plus per drink. I think I think you end up with 200 grams of carbs a day on five of those, something like that. So Wow, I'm just that's just amazing that it made your blood sugar spike. Because did did, so did normal meals? How do normal meals affect your blood no, sugar? No, like pasta, like like you know, carb heavy meals do make my blood sugar. So if you spike, have, if you, but if not you, quite three hundred. They don't normally go to th- like this. Really spikes it a lot. This is this is like your death shake. Yeah, 
Exactly. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's delicious. I wish I could stay on it. I tr- and I, by the way, I tried a number of different things to make it work. Yeah, like by like... ingesting like a whole bunch of fiber, you know, oh, and, and all that kind of stuff. But one thing that I want to say is I was reading a, an interesting blog post. Can't remember the name of it now, but it was talking about just healthy enough, just diet enough. So rather than the kind of diets that we've always been talking about, which is to try and lose a pound a week, this was just saying, look, just set up your lifestyle so that you will just be at a deficit of 100 or 200 a day. Maybe you'll just mm-hmm. lose 20 pounds in a year, but just make your lifestyle go down, you know, head in a downward direction. Well, that's what Phil has been so, talking about trying to do. Yeah. So, oh, recently? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's um, he's a bit of a foodie. Yeah. As you know, he uh, is very interested in exploring the cities, yeah. uh, food options, the restaurants, and you know, he's been dating a little bit. And so it's kind of hard to be very on a severe diet when you're doing that, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's he's been trying to manage it so that he's not, not a, a severe choleric, choleric deficit, but is somewhere just, you know, just like half a pound a week kind of thing like that. Yeah. Not, not, not a pound and a half a week, you know, maybe half a pound a week kind of like that. Maybe a pound and a half, two pounds a month kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little skeptical because my i like it in theory i but it could be just me that either i'm doing it or i'm not like either i'm in severe mode or if i'm not in in severe like really strict mode it's hard for me to stay slightly on that's just my mentality well my feeling is if i'm having to like these these shakes that i'm going to be doing now are based like all in it's about 200 calories per shake if I have two or three of those leading up to dinner, and then it's going to be on most days, it's going to be unlikely that I'm going to like overspend on uh-huh. a meal because uh-huh. Georgie generally eats kind of a healthy meal. So as long as the shake's nice, that's been the hardest part to find something that's nice. Well, you look, know? I mean, you know, one thing that you do a great job of is you're a great experimenter. Right. You will experiment the crap out of things. Like you will twist every knob, push every button there is. You even lift up the panel, find other buttons. What if I push this? What if I pull this plug? I'm like, I don't know. And you're like, hey, it worked. So, you know, and it's just, I think a lot of things about these diet and exercise plans is finding something that works for you. Yeah. A lot of things can work. A lot of things can work. And a lot of things have worked for a lot of different people. Yeah. And it's a combination of, your uh, schedule, your personality, your body type, you know, health issues that you have, all that kind of stuff. So, right, you just got to search and find that thing. And yeah, if you can if you can get it down to where you know that your dinner is is sort of in this ballpark in terms of um, calories, you know, then you could probably manage it. But I think the key is as always, you know, that saying is that which is measured is is moved. So, yeah. It I would weigh yourself on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, there's the, if you weigh yourself every day, you at least can see it getting moving average. You weigh yourself once a week and you get a bad way and you like, you can overreact to one data point. Yeah. But if you just weigh yourself every day, every morning, you'll get a pretty good sense of like, you know, if, if, if two weeks go by and you haven't lost anything, you're like, okay, this is, <laughs> I'm clearly a few hundred count calories over where I need to be or something. Yeah. But just measure it. But yeah. So you're, you're giving me your soil and you don't want it. There's three bottles for you to try. These, these are soiled. It's not soiled. Uh, Soiled. You sent me soiled <laughs> shake. Spoiled. Great. Uh, what's the word? Um, they're Bes- bespoiled. No, um, they're unsoiled. Is what I meant to say. Unsoiled. Yeah, they're, they're unopened basically. Okay. So you can shove them in the fridge. Oh, you can try because you, you can't have them. So because the, there's no way they spike like your blood sugar. Like no. you are, Mister. 
Mr. Even Blood Sugar. <laughs> I guess. You know, I'm actually kind of, you know, I have, um, I believe I have some sort of mild case of hypoglycemia. So at least what will happen to me is that if I eat a meal, I cannot exercise for quite a while after. I need I need well over an hour, hour and a half before <laughs> I can go. Because I remember in college, um, you know, I played varsity soccer and because uh, University of Chicago was on the quarter system. We didn't start our classes till like f- October, whereas a lot of the colleges that we competed against started in uh, late August. So when we start our season, we would go up to campus. I could fly back to Chicago, and you stay in the dorms, and you'd have three practices a day for the first couple weeks, and then we're just practicing around the, you know, clock until our season started. And so when you're practicing, we would have three practices a day. So it means you would go to practice. Actually, we had a 6 a.m. run, go get breakfast, you know, go, go take a shower, go to breakfast, and then it was like a half hour, and then you're back in the training room, get taped up, get stuff up, suit it back up the field, and it's this back and forth, back and forth. So you didn't have much time between finishing your meal and, and going back on the soccer field for a two-hour practice. And there was a couple times that it was just too soon after, and I, I, I lose all... Does it make a difference what you eat? Probably, sure. You, if you ate less or like, like carbohydrates, maybe. But I, I, I was more sensitive to the other guys. I remember. I remember the few times what? we, I just would feel like I couldn't. I just, you know, they get a weak, really lethargic, weak feeling yeah. you had. I, I, it would happen to me more easily than other guys. I know guys. that. You know, I just bought um, a glucose monitor, blood sugar monitor um, from CVS. That's really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I, because. Obviously, the previous one had been um, on insurance, and the strips for it are expensive, even with insurance. So this one's super cheap. Um, you could just experiment, you know. Yeah. How much it cost? Uh, it's like twenty-five bucks for the meter, and then twenty bucks for the for a hundred strips. Interesting. You know, it's and it's quick and easy to just see what's going on. You can measure it like one one hour after, two hours after. Yeah, I'll try it. I mean, generally that stuff doesn't. It's not an issue in my life. I just know that if I'm gonna eat, I'm not gonna go play. Because what's right not, what I? Because I, I mean, I have been like measuring myself about twenty times a day, Jeez. and I'm paying real attention to like what I eat and seeing what spikes me. And it's crazy. Like some stuff just really spikes you, and other stuff doesn't. Like everyone, everyone's different. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Like yeah. so. Anyway. What's well, good? Well, I'm glad yeah. to hear you're, uh, you know, onto something you think is gonna work. Yeah. You're not maybe. spiking your. We'll see. Good thing you started measuring. Jeez, imagine if you did this for like a couple of years and you're spiking the 300 every Oh my God. You could have done a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go to a doctor regularly to check up on your diabetes and get his yeah. feedback on things? Yeah. And what, is, what does he say or she say? Um, I mean, they just, they, they give me metformin and, you know, which is basically the drug and we do the blood tests and kind of on track. So They think you're all right? Yeah. Good. Well, that's good. So. so what else is going on? So, okay, cross campus. So I, I like this. Well, I feel like we're in someone's basement kind of. <laughs> this windows. is kind of funky, isn't it? It is. It's a this well, big, it's, like, strange You know what it reminds me of? couch. It reminds me in college. Uh, there yeah. would be sometimes these, like, yeah. you go to some weird dorm and they'd have this lounge area. And you're like, I never knew this was here. Like, this yeah. is kind of a, I mean, it's sort of big. I mean, it's like probably 30 foot, 30 by 20 feet and has some weird couches surrounding it. I don't know. This is cool. So... You uh, now. Last time we spoke, and again, this was like three years ago. <laughs> well, you had just moved in. You and Georgie moved in with her sister and husband. Yeah, the and their house. baby. Yeah, and there was a there was a little discussion of like you know how how distracting was it going to be? Was going to be less distracting, more distracting? I can't remember whether that was on the show or not. Yeah, it was on the show because oh, yeah. I, yeah. I I I was wondering. I was like I was a little concerned that that was going to be crazy. 
it is a bit it, like it is a little distracting and i'm finding myself you know if i really need to crunch i come down here so i'm probably doing like three to four days a week mm-hmm. in cross campus um, so so the benefit is that she has her sister there for support and they're there with their babies and they can because yeah otherwise it was just you and right Georgie, and you and you're working at home and you felt like you know I, and I would never have been able to do the cross campus thing, I think, before, but now I can because there's some support there for her. That's great because otherwise you're just leaving. Yeah. Like, where are you going? Yeah. Right. <laughs> where do you think you're going? <laughs> now she's like, where, whatever, I got my sister here and we're right. going to do something. So she, with you there not working isn't that big a deal. Yeah. So it's worked out better. It's definitely, it's definitely helpful. And um, it's nice to come down here and crank then. Well, I was always wondering, I always felt like, because you were, you were like always at home. And it seemed like you were just kind of, uh, I mean, like you just, your world closed in, right? You know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you you guys went out and walked Jack on occasion, but you were just at home all mm-hmm. the damn time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you have coming down across campus is probably a really nice outlet because I know you used to really like coming out, going out, working at Idea Lab when you used to work for them years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so. This nice. is kind of that aspect, except you get to work on your own stuff. Yeah, or whatever. and you kind of meet people here. Innovate Pasadena. Have you ever heard of that that yep. group? Mm-hmm. They're in this building, and um, I believe one of the people who has kind of helped set that up used to work in Idea Lab. So, you know, that's cool. So, yeah. so yeah, you're making friends, or yeah, just, just yeah, talking to a few people here and there. Yeah. Well, although to be honest, I like in the orientation meeting of Cross Campus, like so they the, it was all about you know kind of come by R and talk to your neighbor and be really social. My question was, do I have to be social? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I want to come down here and like work. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come down here and like, you know. Yeah, you don't want to be like the college lounge. That's which right, that's right. Yeah. Which so, for me was a death nail. I never got any work done because exactly, I was always staying so. until three in the morning talking with people. <laughs> so I, I do tend to kind of hunt out the quiet places and, and you will always find one. You, so know? you can work if you want. If you yeah. want to be if you want to be in an area where you can sort of pseudo work and be sort of social, you can do that. Yeah. Well, that's nice. I mean, that's got to be good for you, right? Well, because sometimes if you're in the if you're in the areas where it's it's the general area, people's conversations are just too interesting. Yeah. To overhear, mm-hmm. and it's kind of impossible to work. You know, you're thinking, you're just you're feeling like I've got to say something. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my god, I well, know. That's I, good. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you. Yeah. Uh, honest, my perspective. I mean, I was not obviously I'm not. You're living your life, but I always felt like you needed more of that. Um, Thanks. Because you were because you're always like, you meet all these people, you run all these people, and it's because. You know, I'm involved in a lot of stuff. Sandy's involved in a lot of stuff. My kids are involved in a lot of stuff. So I'm just out in the world. I have yeah. all these contact points. And uh, and that you need some contact points, you know? Well, talking about you and your life, what's going on with Le Gesson? Um, hmm. well, <laughs> what, what, what do you really want to, like, um, highlight in this show? Like, what, which aspect of your different tentacles? Well, I mean... Um, well, you know, of course, my main the my main focus these days is uh, Math Academy, right? Um, both the class I'm teaching as well as the district wide program um, and software. We've talked is sort of three components. Yeah, and so still got the madness. I got this. The problem is I have the madness to the point that I wake up in the night I can't fuck sleep. Oh man! So it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing to be so fired up about something that you that you just can't stop thinking about it yeah but <laughs> if you wake up if you wake up at four in the morning and then you can't fall asleep that kind of sucks you yeah. know because then you're tired the next day and you said you slept in today so did that happen last night so happened i didn't fall asleep until 2 15 because i couldn't my brain was my mind was racing oh man 
and then um and then well you know promise <laughs> i i cannot go to sleep unless i take a shower even if I just, you know, that just, you know, even if you haven't sweated and it's been cool outside and you don't have really any body perspiration and you're like, I could just, even the slightest bit of like, you, you know, when you get the stickiness, like in, right, in, your, yeah, and like yeah. in your elbow, just the slightest bit, the slightest bit of that distracts me and I can't fall asleep. <laughs> but last night I was like, you know, I think I can just go to sleep. I'm not going to worry about taking a shower. It's kind of late. And so I laid there and I fought it. You and to finally at 1.30, I'm like, who am I kidding? <laughs> you have to <laughs> relearn the lesson. So I had to go take a shower at 1.30 in the morning. And oh, uh, that, then, of course, I don't think I fell asleep till 2.30, 2.15, And then I woke up at probably 4.30 or 5. And <laughs> then my mind started racing about Math Academy stuff, and I could fall asleep. What are you I, thinking? Are you thinking about the software side of things or the teaching the kids side of things? Um, or the, the business side All of it. Things? All of it. There's a lot of stuff that I'm really excited about, which it, we can talk about. But a lot of it that I'm really excited about. So one of the things is, um, and this is something that you mentioned to me before. You kind of texted me and you said, you know, I think you were on Skype a couple weeks ago. And you're like, I don't know how you did it because you have like three or four things you're doing now. And you're just like, you know, I, you know, I don't, you know, you're just like, I don't know how you did it. And I was like, yeah, I tried to warn you off on it. I like right. don't. I tried. I've, you know, <laughs> I tried to do a lot of things. And. You can do a few different things when they're not in a completely different category. You know, like I coach my kids' soccer team, and then I do a podcast, and then I write code. But when it's all like the same thing, it's all like writing code, and it's yeah. all just basically a piled on of obligations that you have to work through at your computer, it's hard to get anything done because you have too much pulling at you, and then you just don't want to do it, and you lose. It just sucks. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had those... You know, let's go back to like a year and a half ago or two years ago when I was involved with Kryptonite and Empath and Givtronic and these little side project things that I had going with different people. And the reality is I just couldn't really make much progress on any of them. And so it was just a bunch of guilt right. and distraction. I mean, I'd do a little work here and work here, but it was just... And a couple of things. I mean, one, I feel so much better just with one main through line, one focus. There's one thing going on, and that's what I'm pushing on. Um, secondly, all those things were, th were, were projects that other people got me involved in. You know, hey, Jason, we should work on this. It's cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me kind of thinking, oh, I, you know, I would be temporarily excited about, like, oh, that's pretty neat. We could do it. I could, you know, brainstorm with them. And then I started thinking, oh, I could do this. not the hard project. And you had a little bit of, you kind of can envision it so you can. And the problem is that fades after a certain amount of time yeah. it's not really internal it's a sort of a it's sort of it's under the skin but it's not really inside you and then after a while after the initial enthusiasm wears off and other things start distracting you you just don't have the the juice to really push it through and then it just is this thing there's this obligation and i've just said i'm not doing i'm not doing any more hey jason projects mm -hmm. you know hey jason let's do this or hey no no it's i'm only doing yeah, you know, right now I'm in Math Academy, so I'm all about that. And so I'm much happier because rather than someone email like, hey, so are we going to work on this? Or, you know, trying to be like, oh, God, I got to work on this thing. It's me just like kind of, well, what am I going to work on? That? You know, which of these things I'm so excited about. Yeah. And it's much happier place to be. Great. So I'm really excited about that. And I, so I was, warning, I was warning you off like, I know you kind of have a couple of things that you're you're doing and in, in, it's funny because I remember we went to one of those um, microconfs 
and you came back and you're like, focus, 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 focus. That's the one thing I've learned. You got to focus. Yeah. And you were all about that I, for at I least was six saying months. It to you, right, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of fell off the train and you <laughs> sort of, you know, it's easy. It's, it's, it's like, um, like it's easy to put on 15 pounds. You know, it just happens yeah. over a period of time. You kind of, you interact with some people. You want to help someone out. There's an opportunity to make a little bit quick, some quick money. And the next thing you know, you got like three or four obligations and you're just like, how the hell did I get into this? Yeah. Right. Is yeah. that like just like oh, how yeah, the hell yeah. I put on fifteen pounds over the past nine months? I don't even know how it happened, mm-hmm. you know. So tell me about so you're you're involved in a few different small things, or you know, modern teacher is uh, super busy right now, and we've got a lot of interesting things going on. One thing that we've started doing is using an orm. Now I know you've spoken about orms in the past. The before. object relational object manager, relation, yeah, manager. object relational model manager. stuff. Well, and there there's an orm in Laravel, right? Laravel, that's right. So. Uh, we've never really used just ORM before. Like we've always tried to, well, we, we've always used queries and just kind of done it the fast way. But because we're just really trying to do this right, basically we're defining all the relationships, we're building all the tests and we're using the ORM. And it's, it's actually, it's really good. It's it's an interesting. Have you ever worked that way? Do, do what? Doing ba- basically what? Just, just using, you know, taking really accepting that you're going to take a step back from sql and just work in a very abstracted way using the models that you define well i built that really elaborate orm with um with epignite yeah we're going to build that whole platform so it did you know the, the only problem was that it would it, it would get it would well you know it was it was it was really good for the basic stuff yeah you know it was that 80 20 thing yeah um but then you'd have to kind of get in there and and tweak it for other things no, it might have been fine, except Appignite was just me, and it wasn't fully documented yeah. and fully. And that's the problem again. If you use an open source thing that has a lot of people working on it, and it's really fully, it's fully baked and fully documented, then that's it. Yeah. So they've got it's fully baked and it it is documented, and they've got interesting things where you can do morph to many and uh, morph from many. So it's not just like belongs to you know has one all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can also do other very interesting things. And, you know, mo- so far we haven't really found a use case where it couldn't answer it. So you, you're basically just doing, you know, a couple of change commands and you're getting the results that you want. Now, as for database optimization, that's something to look, you know, look forward in the future. But that's kind of interesting. But also building this. So we have a team of um, six people building now. Now you have a outsource. You have a group We've got four people in Mexico and we've got Alex and we've got myself. Um, so everyone is building that. And w- so th- a nice thing that we're doing is we're just doing, you know, deeply test-driven, um, you know, continuous integration stuff. So that's nice. So everyone builds the tests first. And we've got, you know, by now hundreds of tests because it's a new product we're building, many hundreds of tests. And that's really nice. But something that's proven really nice is we have a daily pairing hot seat session. Mm-hmm. So someone, someone goes on the hot seat and we get basically go through their code. And then the other five people are kind of looking as that person's talking through their code and we're refining it and defining it. Oh, also we're using pull requests, you know? Uh, so pull requests is other, uh, another really nice thing. Mm-hmm. And we're, they get kicking, up, they get, they get and we're kicking them back. Like if, if we see, you know, if we see some, some, some kind of stuff that's not using the ORM or, or some stuff that's just weird, we're kicking it back. So the quality of code is getting super high, you know? Yeah, well, at Uber, that was always, you, you know, you, you, first of all, you'd create a separate branch. Yeah, and then we'd have like feature a, branch, right? Yeah, yeah, and then you'd have, then you'd merge it, do a pull request to pull it into the uh, the dev branch. Yeah, and of course it had to be reviewed. 
yeah. by one other person. And you know, of course, you don't even do a pull request or even a push until it passed all these tests and everything. And then you merge it in and, you know, we do a, um, a rebase against the... That's another thing. Like, there's this, um, this SaaS service called Codeship, codeship.io. Mm-hmm. Like, it's incredible. It, it, to, to create a continuous integration environment literally took 10 minutes. Like, like it just well, all plugs together. What does that mean, together. exactly? Basically, it just means that you write your unit tests in the standard way using PHP unit. So you just, mm-hmm. in the test folder in Laravel, you create your tests. So you create a, t- a test class and you just do any test that you want. And when you, anytime you commit it on any branch, it's just automatically run on Codeship. And it runs those tests. And if, if they pass, they pass. And if they fail, they fail. And it just, it's just so freaking easy these days. Like, everything's plugged together, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. It's the new it's, era of dev. It really just is. so much. Yeah, so much is done for you. I mean, yeah. it just, um, which allows you to do more and more. Mm. And the bar keeps getting raised. Um, so Jeremy is not. He's no longer with you. Right. No. No. Okay, he, Jeremy. And so it's just, <coughs> and Alex is a front end designer, right? Uh, no, he's he's full stack. Oh, he is. Okay. Everyone's full stack basically. He, did he used to be? But just he's more. Front? He's more front end. No, he was. He's always been full stack. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <coughs> Who was a designer? Didn't he have a designer at some point? Mm, no. Maybe I'm confused. No. Okay. Um, all right. And the Mexican consulting outsource stuff? It's is going well, yeah. It's going well. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a bit of frog in my throat there. It's going nicely. So, um, so that's one teacher. That's a teacher. So, but wait, did you, did you finish giving an update? You, you didn't even start your no, update. No, I didn't even start. Do you want to okay. hear? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's hear, let's hear the update. So, so let's start, let's talk about Math Academy. Um, so that's the, software? The, no, Math Academy, the, the program, the district-wide okay. program. Right. So <clears throat> we were trying to hire, initially we were going to run, uh, run, we were going to run the program this year. Yeah. Um, and we were going to try and hire some undergraduates, sort of like TAs. We'd have like two of them per, row, per class, two yep. TAs, and they would kind of do it. And the whole process of getting hired and interviewed and, you know, getting their approved by the justice department all that kind of stuff just took too long and next thing you know it was like march you know and and the superintendent and i had lunch and we were talking about it and he's like what do you think and i said well i just think too much of the year is gone i mean what are we going to do in two and a half months yeah you know it's just not and no time um, left there's no time left and I, I you know it's just and then i you know we, we one of the idea one of the reasons it slowed it down is that we were going to get one credentialed teacher in the room with them and the person we had picked out was not was no longer available, so now we had no credential teacher. Um, the TAs, I don't know, we just you know that like I said that process took too long. And I said, you know, I think what we should try and do is we should try or hire somebody for next year, but get somebody who has an advanced degree in math, okay, at least a master's degree if not a PhD. Like I want to see. I think we can exploit the supply de- supply demand disequilibrium right now there's a lot of people with advanced degrees who are interested in being mathematicians teaching higher level math but there's just not that many tenure track jobs yeah i mean we keep reading in the news about all these adjunct professors and all but different wait, kind of sorry fields. this is for the to, to lead the program to well, be this, a instructor okay instructor. i'm right. leading the program yeah okay right. but we need an instructor or instructors um so he, you know, the superintendent was like, it sounds great. Do you really think we can do it? And I was like, well, let's, you know, I'll look into it. But I, I, but what, from what I've read, just on how many adjunct professors are running around at all these different universities and how much the teaching is falling on their shoulders, 
and how little they're getting paid, I was like, you know, there's pro- we probably can find somebody who might be interested in what we're doing. Because while we don't pay a lot, these universities probably don't pay much more or even less. Yeah. And um, plus, if you're, if you're a adjunct professor or visiting professor or, or something, you, you know, you're not a tenure track senior professor, you're not going to get to teach the high level math classes. You're teaching the entry level stuff, the math for life sciences or for business, people who don't care about math and they have to get a credit and they kind of, they're pretty weak at it. And it's just, it's not very fun to teach. You know, it's not fun to teach stuff people who don't want really, who don't really want to be there. They're just trying to get a grade. What was your strategy to find someone like that? So I've, I've gotten to be pretty good uh, friends with the chairman of the math um, department over at Azusa Pacific University, um, which is nearby. Because um, he was the one who first invited me to come out and talk to his class, uh, a kid to try and recruit some of the students. So we, we grab coffee or uh, breakfast periodically and he gets, you know, updates on what we're doing and... Uh, I asked him, and I'm like, so how do you guys hire? You know, and he's like, just go to mathjobs.org. That's how all the universities around the country hire, and you do a job posting. It's like monster.com or something, <laughs> but for for, for math, for, for math yeah. uh, professors. And so I went there, and I read through about two, three dozen postings to get a sense of how they, you know, and you're, you're competing against, you know, Harvard and Michigan State and Florida <laughs> National and... Nice. Stanford and, uh, and then there was funny like some of the um, big hedge funds like Rentech and <laughs> you know or hiring mathematicians and um, so I wrote up a description which I thought was pretty good and I uh, showed a superintendent and a couple of the people at the district who were you know involved with this and they were all really liked it and so we set up an account and got the thing up there and so far we've gotten about 15 applications. Mm. Um, now across the board, they're all, they're all PhDs mm. and a lot of them have many years of anywhere from like one or two years experience of teaching undergraduate stuff to 15, 20 years. So did you say in, in the ad, like don't apply if you're not a PhD kind of thing? Yeah. I said, you know, like something along the lines of like, um, you know, minimum qualification would be a master's degree preferred would be you know, a PhD nice. and then an exceptional candidate would have blah 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 you know mm. um and uh yeah i really studied how to say it and I, I mean I, I think i got a really good one it always uh, goes back to the any food model with you you've always got to bring in the best of the best i you know <laughs> i you know i think that inspires people like you know my my <clears throat> things that i've had success with are along those lines like getting something that's really cheap and at volume and then just and that just doesn't interest me and yeah. and that's not that's not the game i like to play and you know i like the the tesla model right yeah they're at the top blow everybody out of the water and then you know work down if you have to yeah so like when i started my soccer team you know 15 years ago um we had to compete against the best teams in the state and then ultimately the country i had to find all of these top-notch players and so what i did is i went and talked to a few different handful of them and I said look this is what I want to do like here's the vision and I'm talking to this guy I'm talking to this guy and I'm talking to this guy and if you know and I think I think I can get them and so I don't tell them I have them there I said look I'm talking to this guy I think I can and so every one of them say hey Jason sounds pretty convincing if he gets these other guys it'll be something and (laughs) then you crush your fingers and you hope they all show up and then they all show up and they're like damn and then you have this core of talent 
and then everybody else is kind of in awe of like this talent you have, and then it becomes easier and easy to pull other people in, right? So I want to do the same thing here. I want to bring in mathematicians that other people are going to be impressed with, and they're Mm going to be like, so if I can get one good person, the next person is be like, it's not such a risk for them. Yeah, they're like, wow, so you're already doing this, and you already got this person who is a got their PhD from this great university and has taught this. Wow. So have you spoken to any of these guys yet? Spoken to about probably ten of them. I and what's the conversation? How's what's the general vibe of the conversation been like? It's I great. Mean, so what I are they just, are they into it? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I'm pretty good with the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things I can do. <laughs> I might, I you know one of my you know biggest I don't know my if I had a superpower, I'd be probably able to convince other people to do stuff. To right. Do stuff. I can I can get people excited about stuff. And, you know. Um, and if I'm excited about it and, you know, I tell them like, look, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, I want to change how math education is done. And this is how we start. We start with this one, these few schools in this district. And this is how it goes. And I've already talked about it on the show, how we yeah. how the press and everything. And they get it. They, it was funny because it's, it's when I lay it out there and I, I lay out the problems and how we're going to do it and how we're going to get done with calculus and not middle school and then we can do all these other things and how it all plays back. And it's like they, they do the calculation and like, damn, that would work. Like all of a sudden they see the plan and yeah. and they buy it. They're like, it almost seems obvious to them. Like, yeah, that's obvious that that should work almost, <laughs> right? You know, you can see that you can you, know, you almost see them thinking it through, right? Yeah. And they get really ex- they get really excited about the idea of working with some gifted kids who are really motivated and having a lot of freedom to innovate on the pedagogy side and on the curriculum side and being a part of something, um, being part of a movement. Yeah, be part of something. And and, and speaking of, you know, it's funny. I was um, Sandy and I were watching Moneyball. Have you seen Moneyball? Yeah, Brad Pitt? good show, good movie, great movie. So she, I walked in and she was just watching the end of it and this a couple nights ago and I was watching it and uh, Brad Pitt and uh, I can't remember the other. Uh, actor's name they're sitting there Jonah Hill yeah yeah and they're they're kind of talking about it and it was like after they had lost the the you know the playoffs and he's Brad Pitt's character um Billy Bean is pretty down and he's like well you know what does it mean like it only in you know Jonah Hill's like well look what you proved he's like well, what does it mean he's like I know these guys are gonna write us off you know we gotta win he's like you know and it was funny I was watching that and I was like you know I I, I kind of paused the thing and I said you know Sandy I got this reminds me a little bit of what I'm doing here. It's like I I feel almost feel like I'm in a movie. I almost feel like it's that important and if I can pull this thing off, it's gonna be a huge deal. And it sounds crazy talking about this early, you know, because it's early and it just seems silly, but I'm like, I can see this. Mm. And um <laughs> if I can uh if I can get over this first hump, which I'm pretty confident I'm going to get over and hire this first one or one or two people and we get these classes going and they're successful I think we're going to be off to the races and I want to build a small but university caliber math department Mm. and uh and I'm just you know it's like I can see it I can feel it I know how to make it happen it's happening so it's so exciting I can it's hard. It's hard for me to stand it, you know. But like, I got in a. I had to get to today. I talked to the guy for probably an hour and a half. On Friday, I talked to a guy. Which guy? Oh, the, the, the one of the guys. I talked yeah. to one guy. And, yeah. So they're to, even going to be competing with each other in a way. Like they, they yeah, sure. are going to really want the spot. And they are like one of the guys. 
the guy I talked to on Friday, he goes, this guy's, he teaches over Pomona College. He's been at a number of different universities. He's from South Africa. And he's like, you know, when I first read it, it sounded too good to be true. But now it even sounds better. <laughs> you know. Right, so you must have done a great pitch on the job. On the job. I think posting. I did. I didn't yeah. get two of the details, but I said, let me lay out the details for you. This is how we'll start. I said, we're starting with the younger kids of fifth and sixth grade, but then we get to mold our kids. I said, if you just started in t- 10th grade or something, I mean, you don't have much time with them. You have a couple years, years, and they still don't even know calculus yet. And I got to get them through all the right curriculum. And then you get like, what, a year, maybe two years tops. Yeah. I said, we're going to have these kids done way earlier with the with the standard curriculum, and we're going to be building up their ability their ability to um, handle abstract mathematics. And I said, you know, then we really got material to work with. We can really make a difference. And they're just you can see they're just like starting like selling. Oh my god! So you're really getting the idealistic candidates as well. Oh, and they get really yeah, and they get really because most mathematicians have a very very dim view of um, K through twelve math in the United States. Very yeah. dim view. They think they they don't even know what to say about it. It's so bad. And a lot of them, because they just get stuck with the end product, which are all these kids who come in who are just really weak. You know, like they say, even if they're teaching good schools, they're like, they're just really weak, you know, yeah. across the board. And he's like, I, you know, um, you know, you find some strong, you know, math majors at some of the top, you know, in the honors program at some of the very top universities, but that's about it. Most of them are just, if you go so through the standard. If when you go would that st- start? When, when would it start, you start working with th- this person? So... Sort of the plan is we have to, so this has not been an interview, it's just me talking. I, I basically come and said, listen, because um, they're a mathematician working for university, and I said, let me explain the program to you. Let me just lay this out in some you detail. You don't really need to interview them. You, like, you kind of know they could do it in most cases. Well, I know, I know they have the mathematical looking maturity. looking for the right Let's personality see, fit. It's a lot about personality. It's a lot about um, enthusiasm. It's, uh, it's, it's just you know, it's about their fit. You yeah. know, they have the right mentality for it, and they're excited about it. Um, but also, it's actually accent. A lot of these mathematicians are foreign, and they have accents that are really strong. Anyway, if they have a strong accent, then it's, it's that's a that's a that's going to be difficult because kids can't. Um, I mean, it's that much. It's that much more of an obstacle. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're a university student, you know, you sort of in some sense you just have to deal with it. You know, you have to take a class for credit. Um, and a, a lot of universities, it's not really about teaching. It's about research output. Yeah. But this is about teaching. And we need we need not only have the right personality, but the but the kids have to be able to just understand, be understand what they're what they're saying. And if if they've only been speaking English for a year or two, it can be really, really tricky. Why is the, why does it why is it that they end up like with those kind of people teaching in those kind of courses, like with with strong accents, why why isn't that? Because more? most Americans suck at math, and so the good mathematicians are foreign, are from <laughs> Russia and China and India huh. and Europe, right? They're, they're not from, you know, there's not as many from the U.S. because we, we just don't make them because our education system, and yeah. math education system sucks, and plus you're competing against the whole world. Like you have the whole world of people who who are doing math, and the ones that are the best ultimately want to come to the United States. Parts of Europe, but mostly to the United States. And the the world is a lot bigger than the United States, mm-hmm. right? China and India are a lot bigger than the United States. So you have a lot of very yeah. smart Chinese and Indian mathematicians. So you get them over here and, and um, you know, you know, if you're just looking at them purely from a research output or from, you know, academic achievement, you're, it's, it's tough to stand up to, you know, countries that are that big and have many smart people. Yeah. But when you're talking about, 
you know how well how easily they understood they are it, that's that's a different thing which is the best uh, uh country who are the best at math as a, as a nation is it oh, japan I, or china i yeah i don't think japan is i mean i don't know i don't think i think the because the, i'm wondering the u.s to, is the best because we 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 brain drain the rest of the world right but i wonder like do they do any of these nations have an approach like the one that you're thinking of starting well there's been periods of time russia soviet union at for for a time had it um uh uh hungary back in the 20s and 30s i've i was reading a um a um biography of huh. von neumann john von neumann and you know they had like four four of these guys physicists mathematicians right within a year or two of each other of like one or two schools all came out of the same era and there are, uh, the biographer is trying to explain why that was probably the case and they got the best kids and they gave them the super huh. good schools and they had private tutor and mathematicians who were tutoring them since their time they were young i mean yeah yeah i mean they didn't just go through and take trigonometry and pre-calculus you know they were you know and calculate you know that this, this wasn't it like you don't create world-class soccer players playing ayso soccer you know just yeah. doesn't it's, it's a it's a laughable it's right a, it's so you know math is no different <clears throat> anyway so i'm trying to find first of all just because they uh, sent sent their fortis their resume their cvs and their teaching reviews and stuff that's not a formal application. That's just saying, hey, look, I'm interested. And that gives me an opportunity to contact them, say, let me just explain a little bit more and see if you're still interested. Yeah. Because they may think in, they may be thinking, oh, I'm teaching 11th and 12th grade kids who are already done with calculus, who are 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, not 11, 12-year-old kids, in which case they might be, like, not interested. Yeah. Right? The salary might be too low. There, there are any number of things. So I have to explain all that. So I have to, but I first have to kind of pitch them the vision so they can see why this is worth doing. And then I kind of explain, okay, like here are the, th here are the little obstacles, the things that we got to overcome that, you know, most of the case, they don't seem to have too big of a problem with younger kids. The head of the district must be like, I'm working with this guy who's not really part of this district, but he's like doing this hard. It just must be unprecedented, even just the, the way that you're moving in there and the way that you're working this. Yeah, like I mean, it just doesn't sound like this happens. No, I don't <laughs> think it's. I think it's probably pretty rare. Scenario. I don't. I haven't. Yeah, and and because people ask me, it's like, well, do you do? Do, uh, do you work for the district? Yeah, do you work like, for the district? I say like, no. It actually works better <laughs> because I don't have a boss. I don't have. I don't fall within like some hierarchy of. Yeah. You know, I can just. I just pop my head in like once or twice a week. You know, to the superintendent's office, and I'll talk. I'm gotten to be very friendly with his personal assistant, and I'll be like, hey. Uh, you know, Diane Ken is is Brian around. She's like, yeah. So I come out and I go, hey. So good news. Talk to so and so. This and that. And he's like, all right. You know. Good. It's a lot, and it's a lot of trust that that they're placing in you as well. You know, to not yeah. be working there. It's, yeah, it's I, good. you know, because I told him, I said, look, if if you really want this thing to move, you got to let me quarterback it. Yeah. I mean, I'll make things happen. As a dream, I will check with everybody, and I do. I work with a couple people in the district who I'm constantly updating i mean i i, I kind of over communicate them i send them email about things all the time i, I poke my head in and say hey you got a few minutes let me tell you about such and such i want to keep them excited about it and understand i'm not just out kind of doing stuff and then once a month i tell them and so I, that keeps them engaged and also they're very helpful because i'm like okay in terms of credentialing can we do x y and z to make that like one of the things we're trying to do is get streamline the credentialing process potentially you know and see because these are phds can we streamline that you know and there are just things that obviously I can't do, but there are people in the district who can then look into it and say, hey, well, you know, I'm talking to someone in HR. We can find out X, Y, and Z. So, um, so 
so they're all very much involved, but right now all I'm doing is, which I think is important, is, you know, I wrote the, the original, the original um, job description, post up math jobs. You know, I mean, I got approved by everybody, and, and uh, you know, um, Helen, who's the district, she, you know, she posted everything, and, 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 and I'm just communicating with them to explain yeah. everything and answer their questions. The vast majority of them are really interested. There's a few that are like, it really depends on what, how the salary comes out and the credentialing and, you know, stuff like that. But I think uh, the majority of them are interested. Mm. And really what it's going to come down for us is like, who are the best fit? And, you know, most of them are not American. I have a couple that are American, meaning, you know, they can speak English, you know, without an accent. But there's a couple that are like from Colombia or one's from Cuba and um, they have a, you know, a, they have an accent, but it's not as strong. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, so they're or, understandable. Or, basically. Or, yeah, it's kind of like a whole point. Like, can I, can I, it's one thing I, I have no problem speaking with one accent. It's if I have to keep at repeating, like, what did you say? Like, yeah, what, yeah. I, then that's, that's probably a bad thing, you know? Mm. I mean, you know, but I'm not at the, you know, ultimately going to be the arbiter of this. I mean, ultimately we'll do like a, they have to apply and, and we'll do like a, a screen interview with the people from the district and they'll get a say in it but so just to just to move on to the software side of it have you been have the kids been using the software for the past few months yeah yeah so they've done uh, 33 assignments okay on it um it's working pretty well i would call it a solid working prototype nice you know i you know i i wouldn't put it i mean i guess you could call it a beta but it's you know whatever i mean are you still spending two hours a day putting in problems and stuff you know this past week i've been trying to get um I have this one kid, I mean, he's a college kid, um, uh, Daniel, who's writing questions. I ha- remember I had all those kids who yeah. write questions. Yeah. I have a lot of them already. And I have an email from a few of them who like really want to write questions, but I, it's about me getting organized enough and having everything set up beforehand to say, here's what I want. Yeah. Because I found that if I just say, here, I need 10 questions on double angle formula and 10 questions on the half angle formula, this or that. Um, I, I don't always get what I, exactly what I want, and I'm pr- and I'm pretty particular about what I want. I'm pretty particular about the kind of questions I want, the level they want, what I want the solutions, to, how they want them written out. And so what I have to do is I have to go and go. Okay, these are the topics we're going to cover. I'm going to go create some topics, and now I'm going to create three, maybe three, exemplar questions with solutions that indicates like this is kind of how you ask it. This is the kind of variance I want to see. This is that, and so but that takes time. Yeah, and. And I have not had enough time on the weekends to just get ahead of the curve to where I can say, well, here are the next seven or eight topics and then just send them out to people. So a lot of times it's been me running back and it's like 11 a.m. and I have to have the thing done by 4, 4.30. I'm like pinging Daniel on Skype. I'm like, hey, you got time to write some questions? And then he writes, you know, some and I write some. But And so are people still, are the kids still um, into the leaderboard side of things? or I haven't done the leaderboard. I mean, oh, they, they look at the accuracy, but yeah. that's sort of... I mean, it's not that big a deal. I mean, okay. it's, it, mostly it's me allows me. I, I mean, I think they look at. It. I know Colby glances at it, but so basically, it's just a utility. It's 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 not really a game or anything like that. It's it's a utility, and it's just an easy way. Well, because to get the homework in, and it's an adaptive learning engine that works well for them. Yeah, I mean, because the way I'm doing it, I'm using it as a um, and I, I create an assignment. So here are yeah. the two new topics that we're going to cover, and then it's going to pull in three or uh, four, four, uh, four previous topics. And yeah. so it's not like they go in and just do topics on their own because I'm trying to keep us all to, relatively together so that we have a class. If everybody's at different levels and done different stuff, it's kind of hard to have a class. 
I remember you saying that uh, Colby was getting stuck in a loop and he was getting slightly mad about it. Oh, because if you get... <laughs> Is that still happening? Well, not that you loop, but if you get a problem wrong, yeah. then, it, then you have to do... You have to three, three correct in a row. So you get two correct and then you miss one, then you have to do a third and he gets really mad about that. Right, right. <laughs> I have been... I've sort of been managing him a little bit. Right. The problem is um, he has a lot of activities, sports. He's at tons of baseball and football practices. That's constant. See, some of these other kids don't really have a lot. They don't really, they're not athletes or music. They don't, they don't have like every day they have like a lot of stuff to do. So they have a lot of free time. So Colby, it's like we got to slot this in and like, you know, you don't have 40 minutes, 30 minutes. So if he, if he like gets, you know, kind of hitting against the wall, it can just like, he doesn't get it done. Yeah. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, all right, Colby, come here, sit next to me. I will click the answer for you. You do it. Cause he, what he doesn't <laughs> like with a computer, he doesn't like to he, he do it all in his head. Yeah. He would do the whole yeah. thing in his head, but because it was awkward, sitting with the keyboard and have some of the write on. So then he would be like, I don't want to grab a pencil and paper and do it. I want to just sit here and just click. There was just a blog post in Hacker News today showing students who write stuff down do better. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I clicked yeah. on that. I yeah. haven't read it. But so I say, all right, you sit next to me with your clipboard and the problem. And what I'll do is I'll sit there and he, if he gets it wrong or he's about to get it wrong, I'm like, you sure? Explain <laughs> to me how you got that answer. <laughs> and that allows it to go, it's it's much less painful. Right. And it's more much more efficient. I mean, you know, sometimes I make him do more work in that way because I'm just like, okay, explain to me, calculate, write it down, show me how you got that. Okay, you're doing that. Is what quadrant is that? And that's in the third quadrant. So is cosine or is it negative or positive? Third quadrant. He's always thinking, okay. And he's like, ah. So I, I kind of do the Socratic <laughs> a little bit, yeah. talk him through it. I feel a little guilty about it because it's an unfair. Yeah, a lot of the kids don't necessarily get that. I mean, one or two kids, I know their parents help them a little bit, but they're not being great on accuracy. You know. I'm just trying to get him through the program and not develop a lot of and enjoy it and not be like, this is painful. Yeah. And I've been going back and forth in my mind, like, okay, do I just let him just, is it part of growing up? And I just let him beat his head against the wall and it takes a lot, but I'm just worried that he's going to get really frustrated with it. And so. Are you think, is there like some ongoing background processing in your mind about the problem of dealing with kids like that with the software? Like are you thinking, what way could this software work that it could deal with a kid like this? Maybe, you know, because because you have a couple options, right? One option, number one, is that they just do X number of questions, they get them right or wrong. Well, if I get three wrong, what's your game? You just go bang, 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 all wrong, doesn't matter. Now, now, now you don't know it because you just got a bunch of wrong answers. Yeah. You really haven't mastered it. You've just ingrained some bad habits. Like negative feedback has gotten in. You haven't done it correctly. That's bad. You know, it's like, it's like a friend of mine going out trying to play golf and then he doesn't get a pro to go have me lessons and i'm like don't do that you're just gonna ingrain a bunch of bad habits get a pro to work with you on your swing because then you're gonna yeah. have to undo all those bad habits i don't want bad habits so you want to have them they, they can't quit till they're done so you kind of have to have something in like that so part of it is i need to i mean i haven't doing this so much but just recent last few weeks i've done more of it just because our our window of time at night has, has been small and it's like all right we got like 30 minutes to get this I'm like Holy, come on let's just let's knock this out let's go and so I work with him a little bit more. Now, as a result, he's really good. He knows it. Um, on the on the downside, there's a little bit of maturity thing that he 
we, he might be missing a little bit of an opportunity to kind of just take responsibility for just doing it all by himself. Right. Which some of the kids in, you know, the one rationalization I have is that he is a year younger than some of these kids. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. Do you have like for the whole math academy thing, do you have a, any kind of business thing in your mind? Like any kind of strategy, business strategy, or is it just for the software? Or for just I don't know. Just for 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 the, the like an overarching umbrella. You, do you have like a another background process thinking? I'm going to drive this into this kind of startup or this kind of business, or are you just thinking? I'm just going to do what I'm doing. Like, yeah. Um, so the software in particular, I was I've been considering you know creating a nonprofit around it. Mm. You know, we could charge money for the software. But what I don't want to do is raise money and then people expecting some exit and then we sell it. Right. That's right. not sell it to Pearson or one of these publishing. You know, like that's 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 a recipe for you know disaster in the end. Um, but you'll, you so I'm thinking maybe a nonprofit model might work for the software. Um, I'm gonna think hard about the software this summer when I have more time to just work on that. I mean, just working so much on the content. Um, and teaching the class and and heading up this hiring process for instructors that, um, you know, they just haven't had that much time to uh, um, to think that much about it. But I, that would probably... Now, the Math Academy itself, I mean, that's just a district program. There's not a, mm. It's not a business. That's yeah. public schools. And what I want to have happen is that we're so successful that other, that other districts just copy us. They just copy it. So We so want we, yeah. to pop, you know, we want We want to make people... We want to to make the standard U.S. math education that looks so bad that they have to change what they're doing. Well, one thing I will say there is just to, just to, and you're probably not thinking along these lines, but just hoping that they copy you. Obviously, you need like a like a main flagship that explains step by step how to do oh, it, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, I mean, this is years down the road, but I think yeah. if, if we got some success and we got some press... And we then we could kind of come up with a program and say, look, here's how you do it. Yeah. Here's here's a recommended how we did it. You know, obviously every district is a little different in terms of their budget and their personnel and whatever. But if people, if if districts, either themselves or pressured to by parents, want to do something similar, then we can give them a real clear explanation of how we've done it. You know, we'll see. Nice. Um, but at the very least, I think we can make it successful in our district, which in itself would be a big win. But the software. You know the software will support it, and we'll use it. And then you know may, maybe it'd be the kind of thing we'd license other districts. Maybe it'd be a thing. Maybe we wouldn't. Maybe we'd just be free, and we could use it. And we just charge people who are using it independently to say AP preparation, AP test preparation, or something. I I, I don't really know. What I was going to say is, have you heard of pa Patreon? Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an Indiegogo kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. it's like where you can do subscription-based things. Mm -hmm. There's there's some impressive numbers happening on that site where people are basically pledging to pay X per, right. you know, video or X per month. And there's people who are pulling in a decent kind of, you know, that's just an, an, another thought. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, um, I don't want to have to depend on grants and donations. I think yeah. in the end, if you have something that really is delivering value, people will pay for it. Yeah. And then it's yeah. self-sustaining and you have, you kind of control your own destiny. Right. I mean, you know, one thing I noticed, I was talking to Sandy about um, last night. She said that, uh, you know, these grants that the district has received for, you know, some of these magnets stuff, they, these grants are for three years, and then it's over. Yeah. 
And then what do you do? You know, you're kind of out of money. And, you know, it's like that, you know, same thing that the professors in universities are in, always in having to spend all their time doing is running around applying for grants and trying to fund it. It's just, you know. Well, uh, would you mind if I pivoted topic? No, that's, that's, that's good. I think. Oh, can I, can I just say one, yeah, one sure. thing? So okay. about my particular class. Oh, okay. So, you know, we're, I mean, my goal is to try and get them done with pre-calculus by the end of the year and also teach them proofs. Um, when I say teach them proofs, I mean, I'm kind of following what might be a somewhat abbreviated version of an intro to proofs class that would be taught in college. So I'm kind of like doing two courses in one in half a year in three days a week. So it's a, it's a bit of a rush. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to get through in all of pre-calculus. I'm starting to linking, I'm starting to realize that we might come up a bit short, which is not the end of the world, but, um, the proof stuff they're starting to get really starting to get good at. They're right there where they're starting to get really good at where I, I, you know, cause like the proofs they can't do in the system so well, it's really kind of right. It's like, you know, you can't really have an automated essay writing. Right. Evaluator. Right. It's yeah. Kinda hard. Um, there's some things that you can do, but it's, it's almost not worth, I'm, not, I'm trying to decide if it's worth the trouble, like which line of here is incorrect or what would be the missing line? Like it's still, I don't know. So what I've been doing is have on the weekend, I give them the proofs homework. And so they have to do like between five and 10 proofs on their own. Um, and I met with um, Bryant, the chair of the math department at APU uh, this week, and I showed him some of the proofs that the kids had done. And he was just shaking his head. He was just laughing. He's like, oh my God. He's like, this is better than <laughs> my kids in my proofs course. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's beating the 19 year olds. He's like, He's like, yeah, part of me wants to show it to him just to show him what these 11-year-old kids are doing. But part of me is like, we're just totally thinking, this is just totally discouraged them. Yeah, discouraged <laughs> you know? them. Yeah. And um, it's neat, you know. And, and so I'm having two mathematicians that I've talked to who are going to come and visit our class, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. And um, so there's going to be pressures on. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like... You kids better not let me down. <laughs> Don't make me look silly. That's funny. So I've, yeah. talked, I've talked you guys up pretty good. And it's, I, I think back to that movie, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. You ever see that movie? Uh, it's I a kid's movie. So yeah, I, I don't recall. So, um, the, uh, the, you know, this guy, he like all of a sudden wakes up and he has these chipmunks that can sing. And he's like, oh, he's a musician. So he, <laughs> oh my God, after getting over that shock, he like takes it down to like the studio. A guy runs a studio and music executive. And he's like... Look, I can I have these chipmunks I can sing, you know. <laughs> the guy the guy who plays executive is David Cross from um Arrested Development. You know the guy? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, um David Cross is like, you know what is awkward is when a grown man comes to another grown man and tells him he has chipmunks that can sing and what is even more awkward is when those chipmunks don't sing or something like that i mean just totally it was hilarious but really embarrassing and i'm like i hope to god these guys aren't my chipmunks you know i hope they don't nice. they don't show up and then they just like fall on their face and forget everything but i'm pretty excited i think it should be pretty fun you yeah, know cool. to have them have them do their, do their thing and you know i because I, I, I want these i because I've, I've told these guys these candidates i said look you know I think the next step after talking to me is just come visit the class and see if this is something that you would find exciting. Let me show you what our kids can do. And if you're impressed and you think it's, you know, it looks exciting, then, you know, then you can actually formally apply and everything. So that's kind of where we're at right now. That's awesome. So anyway, I know this is a long, a lot of no, talking, no, it's but awesome. I to, it's awesome. But that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm excited about. That's why I can't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and his uber madness. Right. Well, you know, I noticed that 
so I've been doing a lot of the, I have to work the proofs myself and do all these problems because I'm teaching it to them. So you have to kind of work through everything. And, and I forgot how, f I didn't forget. I mean, it just, I guess I kind of forgot how fun it is to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you do logic puzzles and games and stuff and it's pretty fun and you get into it. It's like more fun than the, the most fun logic puzzles. You know, once you kind of get it like, <laughs> That's you cool. know, and, uh, Except you're being a little more productive than I just like I, I've said to you. I hope that your adaptive learning engine one day I'll be able to use and like take it from the from you know the first floor up. <laughs> All right, right, right. <laughs> and yeah, get involved in that cool. kind of stuff. That'd, that'd be, be cool. good. Yeah. Um. So uh, yes, let's switch topics. Let's... Yeah. So um. Well, what do you think about um. Launching a product, but just just for pre-sale, so you, it doesn't exist, and you announce it to the world, and in Three days, you get ten billion dollars in pre-sales. What do you think about that? Oh, you talking about Elon Musk? Yep. Yeah. So that, I had that as a topic. I'm like, who's having the best week ever again? Elon I mean, Musk. So wow. not only that, and he lands the rocket vertically successfully right. on, on the robot on the, drone. On the drone. On the ship. drone. Yeah. Elon Musk is having the best week ever. Would so, you say? Would you agree? It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, you I know those too. drone ships have strange name like I you know I love you but I can't tell you why. Some weird name like that. Yeah. The yeah. names the names of the drone ships come from my favorite book by Ian M. Banks, The Player of Games. Um he Elon Musk is a great fan of that book and he has named those ships after drone ships in that book. Right. Who have a mind, you know. Yeah, it's funny. So, that's funny. AI, yeah. But um that's crazy. Wait, which book was it? Uh, the P Player of Games. Player of games. Player of games okay, yeah. Okay. It's a really, really good read. Interesting. I've heard of that. So yeah, that's that's amazing. And then how many? How many was like three hundred and some thousand orders or something? Yeah. So it's so, so like, I mean, just ten 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 billion dollars pre-sales. It's just unprecedented. It's like nothing like that's ever existed. That <laughs> I mean, it's just unprecedented. You know, it's funny. Colby has been bugging me to take him to the Tesla store. Oh yeah. And so finally, yesterday, I took I took him and uh, Ari down there Izzy refused to come so got the two of them and we went to there and so I actually have a photo of them sitting in the car so they're in there looking at the car Colby just he, he was hoping there'd be a model three. Oh yeah and I was like I don't know if there'd be one but he's like I want to go anyway I'm like right so he's checking everything out and and um sitting there talking to the 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 sales girl and she's you know uh just killing time and then this couple comes in and they're talking about like they want to put like a you know, they're like, well, anyway, we can see it. And, you know, you know what, you know, what can we order or whatever? And she's like, yeah, well, you can put an order in here. You can put an order at home. And, you know, it's $1,000. And she's like, yeah, but I'm just wondering, like, how long it'll be till I get it, if there's just that many orders and this and that. And if you guys don't start making it until the end of... Um, it's going to be two years. Uh, fall of 2017. And she's like, yeah, we're, you know, and the, and the sales girl's like, well, you know, it's, you know, she's she's trying to be diplomatic about it. She's you know, young. And so she's like, well, you know, <laughs> and I, so I kind of jumped in and I said, well, look, think about it this way. If you put a thousand dollars in the bank, you're not going to earn any interest in it anyway. Right. The deposit is fully refundable. So if you put it in now, it's like putting a, 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 a spot saver in the longest Disneyland line of all time. Right. <laughs> but you nice. might as well put it in as like a free option, right? Put it in and if three months from now or six months you get to decide, ah, eh, we're just gonna do something for what? But at least, but if six, if, if you don't, and six months go by and you're like, oh, now we waited. Yeah. Now it's a whole nother year. Did you put a thousand down? I haven't, but I, but so yeah. they're like, no, he's like, the guy, the, her husband goes, that's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that right? is a I mean, good point. You can always pull it out, but you know, I said, and I, I turned to the, the, the Tesla sales girl and I said, you know, 
what you should do is have a website like every minute this guy is by how much how long when you wait a, when you wait a minute or when you wait an hour how much longer of a delay that is until you get your yeah so it's like it's almost like the price is going really might as well buy it now like just put it in now because now every hour is a is a three days or something did you did you hear um the stuff about that Elon Musk was saying there's going to be two launches of the Model 3. This right. is the first launch. And the and new model is going to see the internal size going to look like a spaceship. Yeah. And do you know what, do you know what it's going to be? Like, did, have you been reading up the press about that? No, but I did say to the sales because she hadn't heard that. Yeah. Because, because the, because the, the couple came in and they're like, well, what's it going to look like? And I said, well, according to Elon Musk, it's going to look like a spaceship. Well, and he should know because, you know, he builds spaceships. He builds spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, well, so, so, but especially interesting about it is he's, he did like three tweets that were kind of just pointed towards this concept. And a lot of people now think that it's going to be a HUD display. Is that what it's going to be? Because the whole, the, the, the thing that everyone was let down was like, there's no dashboard. Like, what's that about? There's no dashboard in there. That's weird. So his tweets basically point to the fact that the whole thing is just going to be projected onto the windscreen. Right. So there's going to be, it's going to be, that's why it's going to be like a spaceship because it's going to be like augmented reality. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like something out of Prometheus. Exactly. You know, like the spaceship. He, he is... Basically, he's, he's, he's saying this is, this is not going to be like anything that there was. This is like something that has not existed before. And basically he's, he's uh, referred to, you know, um, some HUD displays that they're using in SpaceX. So obviously in SpaceX, they've created this technology which basically projects, you know, allows people to do 3D modeling in, in kind of real space, like like X, um, well, like uh, Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. So basically, he's he's, it's like fiction turning into reality. He's like taking that fiction concept back and bringing it into the Model Three. So, I think yeah, that's, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. Well, you know, one of the things I've been telling these mathematicians, I said, you know, the whole point of this is how do we create an Elon Musk. Feynman factory. Yeah. And von, John von Neumann. How do we create more John von Neumanns, more Feynmans, and Elon Musks? You know, because Elon Musk is doing this all himself. One dude. He's like, can a brother get some help? Well, <laughs> I can do everything myself. I got I I to create three companies. I'm you sure know? he has a little bit of help. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? I mean, like, what if we had 10 Elon Musk? Yeah, yeah. You know, 10 people of his caliber. I mean, we really don't. We have a few, you know, Craig Venter and we have some people doing some pretty impressive stuff, but he is just over the top. And uh, we need, we need, I mean, it's the scientists and the and the mathematicians and the physicists, you know, and the hard science entrepreneurs. They're the ones moving the ball, right? I mean, they're yeah. you know everything that we're seeing and that's interesting that's happening. It's really coming out of that, right? The politicians certainly aren't, you know. Politicians, Trump. What do you think of his uh, progress? Trump. You know, progress. I haven't followed any of that yeah. stuff. I oh, find okay. all that stuff just really blech. You know, I mean, it's like. Between Hillary and Trump, I mean, or Cruz, I mean, good God. I mean, I just, it's so depressing. They're all so horrible in their own ways. I just. Cruz is, is unbelievable. I don't know whether I was, with the last show, I didn't, we didn't talk about Cruz, did we? No. Like there's, there's, if you, there's, <laughs> there's footage of Cruz. Basically, he wanted to, to put out a video that was like, that the young people would be into. So basically he did this video of him auditioning to be a character on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. And he basically, he mimicked every different you know like i don't know 20 different characters uh -huh. including clang and Cla kling and clang you know the, the, yeah, the aliens right. yeah right. it was just so like i mean if anything just was embarrassing like i just felt so bad for him how bad looking at him trying to do it because a first of all how out of touch is that to think that the simpsons is the thing that you would do that would connect with young people and b oh my god he was just it was just so embarrassing Horrible. embarrassing yeah, check that out. And it's just like that 
guy couldn't please don't let that guy be president yeah i don't think he's <laughs> i don't think he has much of a shot but yeah i don't know well you know it's funny speaking of the voices thing so my 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 daughters are now having every night i've been for pretty much every night i read to them now yeah and izzy in start it started out insisting she wanted me to read the girl voice so I do like my girl imitation. Oh, because she's doing the play. She play. would do she would do the boy voice, and I would do. But, but now I kind of I do everything. So now I have to do voices with everything, and I'm not a. Is, is voice this for is this for is this for a play? No, this is just for whatever book we're reading. Oh, 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 oh! You know? right, right. And so I just do these ridiculous. Of course, my version of a female voice is just <laughs> ridiculous, and <laughs> she just thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. That's like, hilarious. Like, whatever. <laughs> That's why she wants you to do yeah, it. Yeah, so I do it. But then it's like strains my voice. I come downstairs and Sandy's listening to it. She's like, you know, just shaking her head. Like, That's oh, funny. Good grief. All right. I got three things uh, that I would be interested to hear your take on at okay. some point. So I'll just uh, talk through the just the subject of each of them. And then you, you pick which one you're interested in okay. going into first. So one of them is um, Craig Venter creating life from scratch, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Another one is um, the human robot trust paradox, okay. where uh, humans trust robots too much and would basically follow them to their death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another one is ego depletion and influential theory in psychology, probably debunked. Yep. So you know that, you, you probably have read yeah, that Yeah, so well. which one? Start with, what do you want to talk well, about? Well, no, that's what I'm asking you. Which one of those? Is uh, I'll talk about all of them, they're all good. So um, the minimal cell thing, so yeah. Venter... Craig Venter, he was the guy who um, spearheaded the uh, Human Genome Project, right. or the, the the commercial side that essentially beat the government-funded yeah. version. Um, he had a great, he has a great biography. Um, it's kind of like a life decoded, I think it is. I, I listened to the audiobook, so I, I highly recommend. So in like in 2010, they did the first thing where they they kind of created new life, and but it was a co- a clone, like a copy. It was into an existing cell. Yeah, or something. yeah. They, they, yeah. They created the DNA sequence and then they inserted into another yeah. thing. So, I, what here? What I think what they didn't hear though is they've just they they constructed. They just found the minimum set of genes. Yeah. That they've been out so far. Four hundred and thirty-seven genes to make there. life work. Yeah. And, and of those genes, one hundred and ninety-four of them, they're like. We don't really know. No what it idea. Does. Right. <laughs> I don't know why you need this. So this is like the just invention <laughs> approach. Yeah. We're just gonna just drive into random crap until we find like here the here you go. I don't know what it's though. Yeah. But it, it works. You need it. You need these hundred and ninety four, but yeah, don't know why. You know, it's um you know, I've always I've I can't remember the name of his company, but I I've um they're down in San Diego and I always thought like the two coolest companies to work for right now. If you were coming out of college and you wanted to work at a company, it'd be SpaceX or his company. Yeah. Like you want to be part of something that's really doing something. Now, I've kind of I kind of think that SpaceX when I think there's a lot of other companies that are starting to compete with SpaceX that have a small fewer people and are doing some really cool like stuff. Like Blue Origin? Maybe Blue Origin or even some other ones that are smaller. Like, you know, getting into a big company, you just don't get to do that much. Right, right. You know, it's the small company where you where you really grow. And so if I was coming out, I would come out with like a, a SpaceX, maybe not a competitor, but one that maybe builds the end, you know, helps build some of the pieces for it. Or Have you watched the do you, the live stream on, on some of these SpaceX events? Yeah, I saw the live stream of the... Oh, I just, actually, you know, I just watched a recording of it. It's so cool. What they it must The vibe must be amazing working for that company, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. And then when it goes right, it's awesome. Well, you know, what's that? Was it like the eighth or ninth time they tried? I think it, it was the fifth. Fifth, yeah. 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 So it's taken a while. I mean, yeah. you know, it's they stuck and, to and, it. And they're basically saying, like, in the in the kind of op eds of various different magazines, basically saying only 
Elon Musk could do that because it's a privately funded company. Like, you just couldn't do that with a public company. You can't take these risks. You can't treat them like R&D sessions. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe it's going to crash this time. You know? Right. Well, you can understand why Travis doesn't want to take over public. Yeah. Right? He yeah. doesn't. He wants to maintain control over it. For well, I, actually, I, I had a list. Uh, uh, just very quickly going to reference this. An article um, about... Uh, the title, A Rising Number of Startups Reckon They Will Never Go Public. Mm -hmm. um, basically, at South by Southwest, uh, 126 entrepreneurs in attendance were surveyed, and 46% said there's no way they would ever IPO. And just because of all these reasons. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, the Sorbanes-Oxley stuff, it's just is very expensive now to run out to do all the reporting and stuff and the oversight. But what does it mean for like employees? Like, How can they get any value out of it then? Probably, you know, unless they unless they're paying, uh, they're just paying out through dividends or something like that. I mean, or they get acquired, but it's not great for employees. You know, I mean, well, Uber couldn't be acquired when when you I mean, well maybe you can, but well, companies what, have been acquired for a hundred billion, but not that much. Yeah, many. it doesn't happen very often. It's more right? of a merger at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know, the Time Warner AOL kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe it would move into a dividend style. But but what about all the investors previously? I mean, if if you for something like Uber, I can I can imagine they probably would have to have an exit. Well, they they kind of do at this point because I think some of the rounds they raise money, and I think there, there were stipulations. They were leaked out. There were some leak, leaked out powerpoints that they they had to go public by 2020. Otherwise, there were certain I see really yeah. onerous. Um, uh, uh, outcomes right so uh yeah so let me just see look at my notes i was gonna say something about that um just make them find it um yeah so there's so the there's the 437 gene uh 437 genes but uh, there's also do you think about life and comets did you hear about that that mm -hmm. this it was in it was in science um uh, they, it was just published that these, um, this group of scientists, what they did is they took the conditions that exist on most comets, they took it down to like 190 degrees, below zero Celsius, ammonia, water, and like methane or something like that. And oh, like yeah, They yeah. were to create like 55 of the different, you know, kind of core sugars and, and lipids and things that would are really in ribose, which is like... That was it, ribose, yeah. Which is, of course, the key to RNA. So this idea of panspermia or you know some of these life very nascent life forms coming from comets and asteroids and hitting earth not evolving necessarily here um that gives that more yeah probability or even just the the, the core building blocks that then let evolve, evolve were from these comets because it was a combination of these things being in a vacuum these you know the methane the water and the um, ammonia and the and the uv the radiation ultraviolet radiation like that created these core building blocks. It was interesting. Yeah, um, interesting. So I've always been kind of a, you know, leaning this to, to believing that that is very possible. And so that just gives it more weight. Hmm. There's also the, a, a guy who, um, let's see, there's a topic. Uh, yeah, the, astro, the astrobiologist is collecting, this astrobiologist is collecting unrecognizable beings from the stratosphere. <laughs> so he's sending these balloons that are like 25 miles up or something like that. And they have this like, CD tray that goes out and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it collects, you know, whatever's out there and then pulls back in and it's, it's totally, you know, things pull it down in the clean room and <laughs> before it launches, everything. They're coming up with these things that, you know, he's claiming are 
like, like so just some kind of weird life forms life form. that just aren't down here yeah anywhere they just yeah. well it would make sense it would yeah make sense. so you know there's a lot of skepticism they think they, a lot of people are being well it's probably corrupt this and that but he's um i don't know he's pretty i think he's, he's got a good case it's just really interesting and there's the there's biologists discover electric by bacteria that eat pure electrons rather than sugar redefining the tenacity of life did you see that that is like straight out of fringe isn't that crazy that is straight out of fringe man. yeah 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 so like, we got that we got the minimal <laughs> cells we got the you know oh and there's and there's these um new uh uh bacteria that actually eat plastic remember we talked about algae doing it like yeah. about four or five years ago well, now they have found some bacteria that does it huh so, they found it they didn't generate oh of course they right they didn't generate, generate it yeah. but you know the thing is that when you find all of this, these sort of, it's like finding working code, open source code. Yeah. That does something magical, and then you can just take it and use it, huh. right? Then Ventor, That's great and they can go on, it, they yeah. can use synthesis. So it's like we find these pieces of working code that they consume electrons, or they eat plastic, or they do whatever, and now it's like, that's now we can use that. We know what gene sequence will do that. And, um, and did you see the other thing that there was this new kind of um, programming language for cells called Cello? What was it called? Oh, this is an extension of CRISPR. Um, I yeah, I think it, CRISPR utilizes. I think it might may utilize CRISPR as, right, as a right. thing, but Cello, but they actually created like a programming language. It's like based on Verilog, which is like a sort of a programming language that you use for like electric cert, you know, <laughs> circuits or something like that. So, so I think they had said in the article, um, like what took them like three years to create manually. Now with Cello, it took them like two weeks. It's crazy. So it's just you know radically accelerating the the innovation cycles and stuff. Yeah. So I think you know you know we 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 spent a lot of time talking about synthetic biology a couple of years ago. It was kind of a hot topic for us for a while, and I think it's just continuing to to push forward. I mean, that's going to be a bigger and bigger deal. It is exciting. We're do, we're definitely we may be we may be entering you know getting close to the singularity as yeah. as, as Kurzweil said. You yeah. know, I have a bunch of articles on that <laughs> that I hadn't had a chance to read about people debating it back and forth. So I wish I had had a chance to read those. We can talk about that next time. Yeah. But it does feel. I mean, we are living in the future in a lot of ways. Yeah, the stuff that's like, happening. I mean, you know. So I've told you how my kids use we we Echo. Alexa Alexa, Alexa right? yeah we use it all the time yeah. So what I want is the Jarvis option. <laughs> I want so so right now it's purely reactive. Say Alexa, what's the te what's the temperature outside? What's the traffic? You know, what do I have in my schedule stuff? But what I would like it to do if you come in and says, "Hi, Jason. So would you like some so so? Um, oh right, right. You haven't seen Justin a week. Would you like to send me any? Would you like an email for lunch? How about you like you know just like oh yeah. yeah yeah do that you know, like proactively asking if it should do things and telling me things. And I thought now how would it do that? And I was I was. Well, I was searching the web last night. I'm like, there's got to be somebody doing this, but I, I couldn't find anything. Mm. And I thought, so what you'd really want is some of these um, little webcams yeah. around your house so they can see you, so it knows who's coming into the room. So it, that has some kind of facial recognition. They, you could, I mean, the API that's existing for Alexa, you could, yeah. do, you could do So this. there's an API. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did a, this is like a five minutes of searching last night. This is one of the things I was doing at 1.30 in the morning while I should have been sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that there was... There's some security cameras. There's like a bunch of them that were um, reviewed on CNET or something. And I think $150 and had built-in facial recognition software. And I don't know how good it is. But if you had a few of those around and they could kind of triangulate on you and be like, you know, 90% chance it's Jason or Sandy or Colby. And it would see, it would just sort of ask you questions. And if you would like this or you'd like that or, you know, would that be cool? Very cool. 
Very no, cool. I think, yeah, a sort of proactive Alexa as opposed to reactive. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the next big step because, you know, everybody's like, like the, the all the things that we're talking that I that I when I talk about like using the API, everybody's like integrating with the smart home Nest and stuff, you know, like and you know, which like turning the thermostat up and locking windows and stuff. And I think that's okay. That's not too exciting to me because it's just not, and it's just not that interesting. Like how much how how much do you care if the thermostat's turning on or off? What is more interesting is like communicating with people, you know, scheduling things, you know. At, you know, reminding me of things like what, what, like what a true personal assistant might do. But it makes you think that like, if, if Amazon do it really, like what's they've done this, they've done a great hardware and they've got good software, but ultimately it's just the software that's important, right? This, this software could grow and grow and grow and become more what seems like artificially intelligent, something that could do the kind of things that you're talking about now. And it could just be executed anywhere. Like it, they could, they could kind of license that to, I don't know, Tesla and it could be part of the Tesla car, you know? So uh, it seems like they're, they're, it's ripe for one company to become really good at creating this kind of personal assistant technology. Yeah, well, and a lot, a lot of them are working on it, right? Yeah. You know, the personal assistant AI stuff is, that's a hot category right now. I know yeah. Facebook's doing stuff and Microsoft is doing stuff. I mean, everybody's <laughs> pushing on that. But I think the integration with you know, like the ambient intelligence with Ele with Echo is it would be uh, a killer. Have you seen uh, reviews of the HTC Vive? The what? HTC Vive. I don't know what that but is. You, okay, you know Oculus Rift. Yeah. Okay, there's there's a competitor HT, HTC Vive. Okay. Yeah, and the difference between the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive is they're both basically similar specs, but the difference is that the Vive you it it's you screw these things into the ceiling, so basically you walk around the room and it's like it's like the holo it's like the holodeck. As you come close to the wall, it kind of shows you like a red grid. It says, "Don't you know? Stop it, right. it, in your world." That's cool. And um, I've I've seen a few reviews of it, and it's it's pretty outrageous. Like the the one issue is is that the cables are like hanging off the back of you, so it's easy to kind of like twist around and get like trapped in the cables. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, the, to see the reaction of the people using it, and you know, you kind of see the people using it alongside what's going on on the screen. It's kind of very, very cool. Like it's very, very. It's it's you know it's going to change everything. But also, I, I hope that I think that Oculus would one day get in that direction as well. But right now, um, Oculus, even though it's great, it's primarily just a sitting down thing. Yeah, I feel like that Oculus, Oculus stuff is. It's sort of like where MP3 players were back in, uh, you know, like the Rio, right? Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, 90. I mean, it's just really rough, clunky. You know, another ten years, twelve years, it'll be. It'll be. I think it's going to be amazing. I mean, I think for our kids. So what? So what, did we talk about Oculus on the show already? I don't know. You talk about it periodically. Did I? Did we talk about? So oh, so the other thing with the the vibe that they had was this go, this Google Paint app that they've got. I forgot what it's called. Okay. It's freaking incredible. Like three three D space painting. Like so, you're painting in in in. The real space and you've got so imagine adobe photoshop you know where you can choose all your different kind right. of coloring types or whatever but it's completely 3d and then you can add effects to those lines so i was thinking of colby or jack you know like mm -hmm. what it's going to be like for them when that well colby when he's like colby's you know, 10 years older than jack so know, I know. they're almost like a slightly different but, generation. i know but I, they, 
they are, but I was thinking like when Jack's 10, he's going to have access to this and Colby's going to have access to this, yeah. you know, in like five years or whatever. It's going to be incredible. Like the, mani the mani manipulation of these materials in like 3D space, you know, creating well, rocket parts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, well, the, the 3D printer, I was just, one well, of the articles that I had was this, um, I knew you'd be excited about it. There's a, uh, let's see, the 3D printer that can print with like a bunch of different materials. This, um, it says, we're closer to a future where we can print 3D anything. I, it's going to be incredible. Like we really are entering a very interesting phase. Yeah, they were printing out like the uh, running shoes. Yeah, <laughs> running <laughs> shoes with laces. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. I, I looked at it, I said they're pretty uncomfortable, but they're amazing. I mean, that's just amazing, right? That is incredible. I mean, still right now, again, the 3D printers, Oculus Rift, the virtual assistants, all stuff is just very nascent. Like, yeah, we just have enough technology to get something that's marginally useful, um, and it's just gonna, you know. Over the next 10 years is when it's really going to get to the point where it's like, you know, the Oculus Rift is like this big damn headset you got to put on and the virtual system isn't just reactive and limited and the 3D, you know, it'll, and the 3D printers don't, the good ones don't cost $100,000 and, yeah. and have, still have. You know. But it's still having like, I, I don't know if you've seen some of these, you know, reaction videos to Oculus. Like there's this one, there's this one thing that you can go on where you go on like a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. And basically there's this, there's a video of people's reactions. It's got like 50 people in a row's reactions to that. They put it on and it's just like, they're there. You can see that they're there because they're like standing up, they're falling over and they're like moving over from left to right. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be a very good experience. Yeah, I, um, I used, I, we have, um, Sandy had, we have like a, one of the, not, uh, Oculus, I don't know which Sandy got something. It was like a, I think we got it with. Of the Samsung gear? Yeah, I think what she got. So you, you put the, you put the phone in it? Yeah. Yeah. I think we got that. That was pretty neat. We just played around with it a little bit. I mean, the kids use it a little bit, Sandy used it a little bit, but you know, it was neat. So, so one thing I wanted to bring up too, did you see Batman versus Superman? No, I didn't, but I've obviously seen that it's a box, a box office topper. Yeah, it's interesting, but it got critically kind of kind of slammed I, I saw it i liked it <laughs> but i like superhero movies yeah. generally um i mean i'm i'm more of a fan of the of the marvel than i am the dc um just because of the characters i guess but i like the i like the new superman i like the um the guy who plays superman the man of mm. his i think he's good um and i think uh, ben affleck did a pretty good job as batman you know but one thing the weird thing they really slammed and i don't think this is really a spoiler because i think they even show this in the in the uh, previews is that the reason they fight primarily is because Ben Affleck thinks is he's kind of using the Cheney 1% doctrine. It's like if this guy is so powerful, he can destroy the world. And if there's even a 1% chance that, you know, that he's going to do that, we have to kill him. Hmm. And with that, that's, that's called the Cheney doctrine. There's a whole book about like, you know, uh, vice president Cheney was, you know, that 1% chance of something happening. And that, yeah. that created all kind of, you know, very aggressive military, huh. um, a very and that's why it got panned because people huh? don't believe that logic's real. Uh, well, it's just it's what really what I think in the, in the Herman was it Herman no Mel, Mel, not Herman Miller uh, Frank Miller who was the wrote the graphic novels The Dark Knight where they with this it came out in the eighties and that's what this stuff was originally based on um, is that they fight because uh, Batman is a vigilante he doesn't necessarily trust the system mm. um superman's a boy scout yeah he's bought into it and they fight because of a different philosophy about you know fighting crime and justice and whatever and if batman thinks the system is kind of corrupt and he's not really playing nice with them then he's just like screw this guys were you know then you can see how that could lead to 
you know, some serious uh, conflict. But the way it, the way it was done, you know, and then they were kind of tricked into fighting by you know, Lex Luthor or whatever. I mean, it was just kind of, it was dumb because it was like, you didn't have to do it that way. Like, you just, just play what their characters are. Yeah, the characters yeah. are this way. I mean, But you, you still know, enjoyed it. Even though it was well, a bit, you know, I, I mean, I read all that. I read some of the reviews beforehand, and I was like, "Oh God, this is gonna not be very good," and which is disappointing because I was looking forward to it. But I was like, "Ah, screw it! Like, let's just have fun." And I kind of have ability when I'm watching certain things that, if it's science fiction or superhero stuff, like I can, you can suspend, suspend disbelief yeah. and be like, well, "You know, whatever. I'm not. I'm not overly critical. I'm just gonna enjoy the ride." Are you still into Walking Dead? I am. I have not watched the season finale. I have watched. Part of it and watch the rest of it this afternoon. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give anything yeah, okay. away. But have you um, watched it? I have. Yeah. You watched the finale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You liked it? Oh no, I'm I'm on top of Walking Dead. Because like, you were like a year behind. You were a season behind. Cause no, you're just no, watching no. I'm completely up to date with Walking Dead now. And you're on board. You like the Walking Dead. You're... I like it. I like it a lot. Because I spent a long time trying to, but, trying to convince uh, but... you, and I'm so happy that you did. <laughs> so, so I, well, you know, as when you get into something, you read news articles about it and different, you know, op-ed or whatever. So, um, did you know that? So they're on. That's the end closing of season seven, right? Six, six. Yeah, that's it. I think we're at season six. You, okay, six. So, did you know that they are only halfway through the potential material? Like, there's 150 comics written, uh-huh. and they where they're at now is around 75. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm hoping they at least go ten seasons. Yeah, they, they think they're going to go ten. Like, but but what the, the basically the uh, the article, the title of the article was "Will Walking Dead Ever End?" Question mark. And the simple fact is, is like they've got limitless source material. Like they literally could take it to 20, 20 seasons if they wanted to, because already you know there's so much left. But then they could add, you know. Yeah. Well, now we got you know um, Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking which Dead, right? Premieres tonight. Yeah. You we watch on Fear. I lo- yeah, I love that show. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. good. So I'm excited. I, I'm like every Sunday night, I'm in, <laughs> count me in. I mean, you know, I just, you know, it's funny. It's like certain genres just appeal to me. You know, I, I can't always argue that it's like absolutely the best, you know, story or this or that. I mean, I know, you know, maybe Downton Abbey or, um, uh, you know, uh, what's that bad, um, what was the one? Um, Walking back, uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, yeah. or um, what was the other? There's other ones really good, but you know, Better Call Saul. That's a new one, but, you know, or Mad Men. And those are all, you know, those three probably particularly have might be arguably better. Mad Men's slightly better show now, yeah. But I never, I, I just get that into them. You know, yeah. a lot of times it's just like, is it, is it a genre? Like the post-apocalyptic genre appeals to me. I give yeah. it, which means it doesn't have to be as good of a show to be great. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like I can even watch like a mediocre post-apocalyptic. No, not bad B-movie post-apocalyptic. That stuff sucks. But um, yeah, I love Bucky Dead. I, but the thing is, I have to be, I like, I can't watch it late at night because I get too amped up. I can't get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my adrenaline gets too high. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I don't want to watch it when I'm rushed. So it's like, in fact, this might be what after every cover show, I think. What do you think do. of, okay, I mean, can we say anything about Anything about what's happened during this season? Um, I don't know. I mean, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. 
Okay, so look, spoiler. If you you haven't watched this season of Walking Dead, I'm about to... Well, we're not going to talk about the last show. No, I'm going to talk about something that happened very early in the season. Well, let me me just say one last thing that I want to cover, and then... um, We didn't talk about human human robot trust paradox. Okay, well, let's talk about that. We'll talk about Walking Dead after the end. That way people can shut it off. We didn't talk about ego depletion being debunked. All right, well, let's talk about it. Okay, human human robot trust paradox... Um, 65% of Americans expect that by the year 2065, robots and computers will definitely do much of the currently done work done by humans. But from the same survey, an even bigger portion of those surveyed, 80% believe their own jobs will still exist in 50 years. That doesn't make sense. Well, that's, that, that's one half of this discussion. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I think I talked about this last show, that most jobs will exist, but... One person will be the job of many people. Right, right. So, you know, will you still have lawyers? Yeah, but you might have fewer of them or fewer uh, paralegals or something. Will you have, you know, because you could just, you just have, um, this, the, you have a force, the technology is a force multiplier. Yeah. And the better the technology is, and AI, AI doesn't have to be like artificial general intelligence, like it's actually conscious, but it's just much smarter technology, smarter, just better algorithms more data, just better, better, better tech. And that just, it just create, maximizes your leverage and it's just cheaper. And it's like, um, you know, one of the problems with the $15 minimum wage is that just accelerates the drive to try and replace that because it's so yeah. much more expensive, yeah. you know? And if people are like, well, $10 an hour, you know, it's kind of a watch, you know what? But if it's like, it's kind of a push or whether I should, Automate some of the stuff, but like, like, geez, this is getting pretty expensive. And Mike, you know, I need to, I need to figure out how. Otherwise, I can't stay in business. So I'm going to automate this, or we're going to put stuff. I was just watching a video by uh, a new kind of robot that uh, <clears throat> Alphabet X has, where it's just kind of a pair of legs and a tray. Oh, it just walks up. Uh, the just stairs. just walks up, walks around a baseball park, you know, serving out. I didn't beer see it. I have that queued up to watch. It looked <laughs> yeah. to me, but just looking at the picture reminded me a little bit of the robot from Interstellar. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Oh, because it has that kind of a... You haven't seen Interstellar? I mean, I, I probably have, but I, I can't remember the specific robot you're mentioning but, right now. No, did you see the movie Interstellar? Oh, no, I didn't. No, no. That's the one with... Um, what's his name? With... Uh, yeah, with what's his name? No, you know the guy, the blonde-haired guy. Yeah. Yeah, Watch no, I haven't it. seen it. I haven't seen it. Um, I can't blank on his name, too. But you see Interstellar. That's yeah. a really good okay, movie. Okay, I'll, ch- I'll check that but out. But they have a robot in there that kind of reminds me of that. Um, Listen, so anyway, getting back into this this article, so they did they did experiments. This is why it's called the human robot trust paradox. So let me read this. So in the experiments, twenty six human participants were given the impression that their main task was to assess a guide robot as it led them individually to a conference room. In the room, there was a survey to be completed. Uh, questions on the survey included things like, "Did the robot do a good job of guiding you here?" But while participants were uh, recording their responses a machine would release artificial smoke in the hallway, making it appear as though there was a real evacuation happening. The researchers then waited to see whether the human participants would evacuate on their own or follow the robot. Right. So people overwhelmingly trusted the robot. More than 80% of the participants said so explicitly, and some 85% of the overall group said they would follow the robot in a future emergency. But in the cases where the robot, like sometimes they would basically make the robot completely broken. So in the cases where the robot broke down as it was leading an evacuation, it spun in place re- uh, repeatedly and its lights turned off and on. Um, even when all five of the human participants who encountered the broken robot later described the robot as a bad guide, four out of five of them still followed it, even when it acted broken. Hmm. So. So. 
uh, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, it's just humans don't always think very well. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely headed for robotic future. I mean, if there's any question about it. It just yeah. keeps getting better and better. I mean, the, you know, but um, Google is selling off, uh, or they're looking to sell off uh, Boston, is it Boston Dynamics? Dynamics, yeah, that's one. Yeah. And part of it's because I think it just freaked people out, like this, these robots. Yeah, but also they don't, they can't think, well, I mean, anyway, what I've read is that they, they don't know a great way to monetize it, basically. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's that the people who run the company, the actual founders, are just super into creating new robots rather than creating products. Like, they're not interested in productizing. And they weren't, it. like, collaborating with the rest yeah, of yeah. the Google people. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just so much better at it that it's just a waste of their time to, like, screw around with, like, hey, we want you to come and talk to these guys and meet these people. And they're just like, all right, what what do you guys want? Because I mean, they're just, they're, they're the best at what they do. And it's just, you know. But it is scary the way that they put their videos out. I mean, they always put a video out of, like, someone going and smashing the shit out of one of their robots and their robot survives. I mean, they could put it out in a nicer way, you know. Like, it doesn't have to well, be thing is, first people thing is attacking a robot. Right. Well, the thing that's funny is that they're robot. Well, that's less scary than robots attacking a person, right? I mean, I know, but... I thought it was funny that they, they had that robot trying to pick something up and the guy kept moving it with a hockey stick. He kept yeah. moving the thing away from the robot. And, and it makes you feel bad for the robot. robot. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just like, that piece of metal. It's yeah. like it's not a, I know, punches. but you, you just... What, what's that word when you put human emotions on something? Anthropomorphize. Anthrop yeah, anthrop yeah, it's very easy, easy to anthropomorphize. Um. Yeah, I mean that's there's a the big future for roboticists that's for sure. But I think um, you know this is going to be an this is probably going to be the, the one of the biggest debates of our time, which is the elimination of vast numbers of jobs to automation, whether automation through software or for actual robots or you know whatever. I mean it's been it's obviously not new. There that's been this has been happening for a couple hundred years. I mean it's happened for hundreds of years. Things have just been. You know, humans are replaced by more efficient means of... How long do you think programmers have left? Like general, like us? Oh, yeah, a long time. You think Much so? Much longer than we're going to want to do it. We got lucky. Oh, I you, mean, you, so you think, you think... So this is just like that. It's just like that survey. Everyone thinks that their job's going to be around in 50 years. Well, so there are... It's not a... See, the thing is, is the things that get automated first are things that are, are mostly routine. Anything that's routine gets out of, you know, whether it's routine physical or, or, or routine mental tasks. Routine mental tasks are even easier because it's just can be done by software. You don't need robots. Right. And routine manual are more expensive because you need physical machines that are doing stuff. It's not just, you know, inside someone's computer. But, you know, programming for the most part is not routine. There's so many, there's so many pieces to it, like storyboarding you know mocking up wireframing get it getting it that what the client wants you know then well that's not even really programming that's product development right i mean you know that's like a different thing and that's definitely not going to be easy now you definitely have things that make these tool these this sort of augmented intelligence that make this stuff easier you know you are you're always using new tools like every few months you come up with some new tool that makes creating a landing page or marking up a site easier and faster, you know? So it's, it's not like, again, it's not like the whole thing gets automated, but now you can work do it, three you times You can do it space. faster, yeah. You don't you have can, to build, yeah. You can handle more clients. I mean, you know, net-net, it, 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 it amounts to the same thing, right? You'd rather have, like, one really good product developer, UI, UX person to work with, you know, and that one person can service three times as many clients because the technology is so much better. Then before you had to draw stuff by hand and doing Photoshop, and now it's just like bang, 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 right? 
first time I noticed that was um, send like I remember the very first time I noticed that was using Perl and sending an email. And like sending an email through Perl, like, you know, you had to like include 20 libraries and it was like, you know, 100 lines of code. And then, and then PHP came out and it's just like, like one function. Mail. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that was made, what made me think, I really like PHP. <laughs> yeah, one of the, one of the uh, companies I advise, um, Pivot, they, the, um, the, the CEO emailed me and he's like, hey, we're looking to, um, we're looking to, validate these three things one was like a, a phone number validation another was like an address validation another was something and it was like they were all these online services were just amazing you know they, they would validate the email email address because it would like check and make sure that it worked and i mean it was like as of back in the day we had to regex and then it was right. just it could have been a fake still oh, so and, they were using a service to validate yeah it? all these things are services that do oh. all this stuff. And I'm like, and I, so I went back and I'm like, back in my day, <laughs> we had huge reg X and it never worked right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's crazy. And now they just like, now that, you know. so you use one of those services to validate an email address and it's actually going to check whether the, yeah. you know, the, the, the MX records are correct and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, it was that was, there was other words, a phone number one and there was a third one. I can't remember what it was. But oh, it was, dude, send me, send me links to those services, would you? Yeah. That yeah. Was, that'd be was pretty impressive. Um, um, okay. Anyway, so look, let's not go into the not ego depletion the, thing, but uh, let's talk about talk, talk, walking. Well, dead. One thing I want to talk about. So, for yeah. that, so you know how I've been playing this hex fever game. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. finally set a new high. I got in the hundred and thirty. Oh, you got to the hundred thirty. Yeah. Hundred thirty-two. I had a one twenty-three, and then I just hit a one thirty-two or something. I thought your goal was just to break a hundred. You still kept going. You still have. Yeah, yeah. I still play a little bit. Huh. Yeah, I still play, but. One thing I noticed, so I'm always I'm always looking at stuff I'm like what lessons can I learn? Like there's a lot of lessons to learn from some of these games. <laughs> and I noticed that you, your end, what I you know, you what I would have to say that you, the end is started before you know it. Like when you realize, oh crap, when you hit that oh crap, it's already almost too late. Right. Now you're now like, yeah, maybe you can get use some technique and have a little luck, but it's too late. And so the, this, this sort of saying is like that your seed, the seeds of your destruction have been sown. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that I keep saying that I'm kind of repeating myself, that to myself, the seeds of my destruction have been sown. So you have to like be ahead of the game, ahead of the ball and be like, what is going to take me down? Like, what did I do that was really suboptimal that's about to blow up my face? Yeah. Because once it gets too late, once it gets to that last minute, sometimes it's hard to recover from it. Like, hex fever. Now, hex fever is a little more unforgiving than life, but I just noticed that. I thought that was an interesting lesson. I was telling Sadie that last night we were, we were, she was playing it, and I looked around her shoulder, and I'm like, you know, looking at it, and I'm like, see, right now, you know, the board isn't mostly empty. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of empty space, and you feel really comfortable, but one screw up now, and you're just steading, and it's going to, it's like the, you know, the catastrophes get set in motion, mm. you know? So you, you have to make really good decisions, even the point that you feel like you've got a lot of margin of error and then you can be, but it's that cockiness and intention to detail is then when you get screwed. But it's like hard to balance that with over-optimization. Like if you, if you kind of, if you're thinking about the future of your life, you know, like five years out, well, am I over-optimizing for the future? Like, you Wait, know, I don't know what you mean. Overall, well, so well, basically, if you're thinking about the seeds of your destruction have already been sown, so that's that's the one side of the scale, and the other side of the scale is I need to do things to make that not happen. So you need to optimize your life so that your seeds of destruction are not sown. If you if you're kind of right, translating right. this to life, 
like you you could end up in this scenario where you were like just overly optimizing you know to to, to stop the seeds being sown so you were just overthinking yeah, it's everything always a, you it's were, always a balance you can't be you know you can't um fall into you know paralysis through analysis right like you're afraid to to do anything and make a mistake but you you have to be attentive to those things when you when you think there's nothing to worry about, like that's sometimes when you screw up. Anyway, I, I was sort of thinking, I, I was trying to figure out in my life if that's been the case. Like, you ever notice that like you haven't had any conflict with anyone for a while, everything's gone smoothly, and how sometimes just shit happens, and you're like, <laughs> how did that happen? Like, how did that evolve into that situation? And it, it's that kind of stuff. But sometimes that. How long did you steps. play the game to get one hundred thirty thousand? You so can what, pause it though, right? I'll play it throughout the day. Oh. I'll take a break. I'll, I'll grab ten, fifteen thousand. I'll go. I sometimes I play it at the gym when I'm like riding the recumbent bike, and I'll just sit there and it's, it'll pass the time. You know, huh. get twenty, grab thirty thousand points or something. And huh. but I've been trying. I'm trying to convince myself that it's worth getting two hundred. No, I'm trying to convince myself not to do it at night and and just work more of these proofs and stuff to get ahead yeah. of the game for the kids because. For me to come in and, and give this proof to the kids, I really need to work for them first so that I really, so now I've solved them, that I know how to solve them. Because sometimes they're a little tricky and if it's like on the board and I have the pressure to do it in front of the kids and I'm just like, oh crap, you know, you, you can paint yourself into a corner. And I'm not a professional mathematician, so it's not like, you know, it's like I'm a math teacher who's teaching computer science. You know what I mean? Like I know it, I can teach, I do a degree, but I'm not a, not like it's not like me teaching programming. Like, yeah. I can figure any of these stuff out on the fly, no problem. Yeah. I mean, high school of math I can, but when it comes to proofs of things, it can be tricky. They can be really tricky sometimes. And you know, not that it's not that I'm a I'm afraid, you know, to say, oh guys, I'm not really sure how to do this. We have to think about this. But I don't. It just becomes a waste of time. Mm. So I kind of, and it's better if I've solved it. I've really thought through the missteps. I know where they're going to go wrong, and I know how to kind of set things up to be efficient and successful so i need to spend more time doing that rather than playing hex mm. fever right? yeah yeah that makes sense so anyway um i see you drinking a bit more soylent there i well i've started getting hungry so i finished off one of your soil what do you think it's pretty good although it's making me feel a little i'm sorry i'm nauseous or <laughs> no <laughs> well okay there's another three there for you and i i also have another 12 at home so i feel like i'm drinking liquid bread it's <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> That's what it feels would like. You, would you grab one of those if you were hungry? Do you, do you feel mind. less hungry now? Definitely feel less hungry now. So it, it does what I think. It, it makes you feel... My, my experience on it was it just made you feel like this weird state of just, you know, not thinking about food anymore. It's not that it made you feel full. It just it made you feel not hungry. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely making me feel something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, 400... 400 calories, calories yeah. yeah. So, you want to talk Walking Dead? Okay, well, just, it's, it's just a massive yeah, anti-climax yeah. now. Like, it was just an off-the-cuff question. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say, so, like, we're just not, we're not talking about the finale. Because no, I have not no. seen it. So, do not talk it's about... It's just a very... It's, it's, yeah, okay. it's anticlimax. Okay, so so if you... I was so, we're going to finish on this. If 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 you watch Walking Dead and you haven't seen this season and you don't want to hear it, you could tune out now. If not. I was just going to say, what did you think of Mick, uh, Rick and Sh uh, Michonne getting together? You know, basically, they're, they're like two two sides of the same coin. They're kind of like very equivalent to each other and them getting together. Why do you think they're equivalent to each other? Well, they're, 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 they're survivors to the extreme. They're kind of experts at living in this world to the extreme. 
they are experts at living in this world, this post-apocalyptical world. Well, I, 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 I can buy it, you know, because, <coughs> you know, she's been there with them. And she's become almost like part of the family. She has a real connection with Carl. They're yeah. living in the same house, you know, and it's like sometimes you have, you know, you're, you're in, you're in a lot of stressful environment. You have a shared experiment, something, a shared history with somebody. I mean, I could see how that could evolve. You know, is she the, the ideal woman for him? Is she, is he the ideal man for her? I don't know. But in that circumstance, in this post-apocalyptic world, they're living in this house together. It kind of just falls in together. It's, but it's also, yeah, I agree. I agree. But another thing that's interesting about it is, you know, two super strong people being together isn't a typical relationship dynamic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, Sandy's pretty pretty tough. No, I mean on screen rather than that's Phil. He's like yeah, on screen, on screen, Sandy's right? Pretty, uh, I, but know, anyway, your life is kind of unique. Come on, come uh, on, you got to admit that. I I think it. Do you think my life is unique? Come on, it's definitely unique. Yeah. Like not many people live the life that you live. That's very specific yeah. life. I guess it is. Yeah, not in a bad way. No, it's just funny. Everybody, my Rahul would come out and visit, and he's like, he's like, it's amazing. Your life is exactly the way you said it was gonna be. (laughs) Like everything is like, I was like, I did. He's like, yeah, I still remember the conversation. I'm like, wow, I don't have any recollection of that. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Um, Yeah, most of the time on on screen, you know, like one of the one of the people is the protector, and the other one is the protected. You know. Yeah. You know, but this is kind of... Well, they have some strong females. Well, I mean, the reality is, in The Locking Dead, you kind of need to because otherwise they're going to be dead. Right. I mean, it's sort of survival bias, right? Everybody who's left has got to be pretty tough. Yeah. You know, most of most the, the, the weak, the, the, the herd has been thinned. You know, you have a few weak people who just because of happenstance were in the right place at the, wrong, at the right time or whatever and managed to escape, you know, some of the Alexandrians or whatever. But... Um, you know, by and large, the people are pretty battle hardened. You know, they're going to be some female. The females that survive are going to be tough, absolutely. So they're not going to be fearful. They're going to know how to protect themselves. They're going to be sort of, you know, ruthless if they have to be, as we've seen. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like Carol, like initially, it's funny. Like she was putting on that act. I thought she was putting on the act, with, you know, like she's really weak, and she did. She put on that act. That she yeah. was really just like she put on that act. When she got to Alexandria, like she was just, yeah, you know, and she did the same thing at Terminus, like just like, oh, I'm, I'm really awkward carrying this, you know. Oh no, it was in Terminus. It was in Alexandria, not Terminus. She, yeah, she that's she a, just faked. That's being, a trick, yeah, yeah, and that's great because she gets underestimated. She kind of fades in the background. Nobody thinks she's a threat. She gets a lot of information, a lot of inside knowledge that people don't have, and 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 being underestimated is extremely powerful. Um, I know yeah. that's a tactic I've used many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never see you come. The element of surprise. Yeah. Well, she does a, uh, you know, she did a great job of it. And, you know, where she starts acting like she's crying and, you know, people mm. just, oh, you know, because it's believable, right? You're this sort of middle-aged woman and she's out. You just think, well, oh. But she was like that. This is the thing. She, she was. She came from, that's how she knows how to act that path because she came that. from there. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, the question is, was it believable that she became as tough as she became? Is that is that path? It believable? was very gradual. I, I it it's still wonder. It's yeah. still you know, I, 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 I bought into it, but I've always lit a little bit. Yeah. Um, skeptical. I mean, I, 
you know, I think like in the comic book, I think she's sort of taken the place of Andrea. Andrea's Andrea didn't die in the comic book. Like she became the, the sort of bad, a badass mm. is, is my understanding. What did you feel about uh, the Glenn not dying time? Well, I was happy because I'm a Glenn fan. <laughs> but like, were you, were you like a little bit, because one of the things you used to love about the show was that they, 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 they didn't do things like that. They, they, they basically, you know, main characters were killed. Yeah. Did you kind of feel like, oh, I it's a little bit weaker now? Maybe a little bit. He's probably going to die soon. I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing, though. They're going to still cut off some of your characters, but they got to be careful now. I mean, I think they they're they're trying. I think they they have to walk that line because people will stop. People will stop people are So invested, into it. like if you killed like if there are people Abraham like Daryl, there'd be a riot. There'd be an internet riot if Daryl was killed. Yeah. If Len is killed, there'll be you know. I almost feel like Rick would be the one they wouldn't really mind as much about. <laughs> Maybe, but he's the protagonist. He can't really. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, yeah, Abraham. I think Abraham. It'd be tough. Which one's Abraham? The red, red, the redheaded guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some like they could kill. I mean, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's yeah. tough. I mean, they have to, they have to play it straight. So they're going to have to kill some people. But they, but you know, the millions and millions of dollars are at stake with this franchise. So yeah. they want to kill them off. And as they want as possible. the series to keep on going. Yeah, so you want to kill them off as slowly as possible. I mean, you have great characters that have been along for the. For the ride. But it's almost to the point where when you see a new character, you can kind of go, hmm, he's going to be dead within the next 10 minutes. Yeah, you that's know? a red shirt. That's, you know? a, that's a, yeah, like that's a, <laughs> a sort of a, um, magnified red shirt or something. They're going to be around for half a season or something. I I was disappointed to see that the, the the woman that he was having that relationship with or was starting to have a relationship, that the kids, that she died, the blonde. Mm. I liked her. I was, was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. yeah. I didn't care much about the doc, the female doctor who got that with the arrow. I didn't really have a whole lot. Of <clears throat> well, um, two hours on the clock uh, recorded, but there's I know there's some time that's going to be edited out. Um, any letters from the dark side before we before we say goodbye? Oh, just the just the thing about the how the the director of the FBI Comey is he puts tape over puts his, tape over, over his camera web camera like what a nice. jackass you know <laughs> like you're like the one who wants to unencrypt everything and yeah and monitor everything, but then you're putting tape over your own. Yeah, oh, it's really? ridiculous. Look at you. It's, it's the hypocrisy in politics sometimes is just That's unbelievable. Hilarious. You know, I don't know. Whatever. It's typical though, right? Yep. Typical. So um, two things I just wanted to mention. Um, one, uh, so I got contacted by this company for some advice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if you heard from Kite. So, you know, I, you know, I guess it's, it's because of the podcast and I initially emailed back and I said, you know, they, they said, look, we're trying to reach out to people the developer, who are influential in the developer community and, you know, get your advice on how to, you know, how, how we should launch and this and that. And I was like, uh, you know, it's like this really just like a, you know, you want money, ask advice, you know, if you want, you know, that's the, that's the trick. Right. And I was sort of like, look, I apologize if I sound cynical, but I get a lot of emails from people wanting, you know, angling for free publicity. And I said, but you know, how do you guys, who, people who don't listen to the show and don't know me. Mm. So it's like, well, you know, but I said, but, uh, you know, please explain how I, my name came up and you know what, how you think I can help. I mean, I don't right. wanna, you know, I was like, I don't want to be a jerk, but I don't necessarily owe people I don't know an hour of my time, you know? So 
Um, because I get a fair number of emails of the trading stuff, and you know, funny, like particularly, like a guy sent me an email about a month ago, or a few weeks ago, asking about trading stuff, and he's like, "Hey, what about this site? What about that?" And I, yeah, and I commented, I said, "Oh, it looks good," or "This you should look this," and you know, and then he asked me again. He's like, "Well, what what do you think about?" That? And I said, "Honestly, man, I you know I really don't have the time to look at that stuff. You know, I re- you know it's like the third or fourth email." Yeah. And he's like, yeah, nobody wants to help. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> give me a break, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's funny. Like, the presumption is that I'm some person you don't know that I, like, owe you, you know, I to do work for you, you know. It sort of, it just sort of struck me as kind of funny. Like, yeah. give me a break. But um, the, uh, anyway, so I set up a call with Kite. So Kite, he was one of the founders of Zobni. Is that what I, the, the, was a YC company? Um, there was a, I think they had a successful exit and so they built something that's called like it's got a coding assistant right so it integrates with you know uh, i don't know whatever your editor ide is and it if you're coding right now they're just doing python but like if you're typing it'll it'll what it'll it'll tell what method you're using or what objects and it'll come up with like you know suggested things and like it's like it's like auto completion on steroids yeah so you have comments or like you know beware of this is going to happen you know people can put in and say oh you know when you do when you do this you know this kind of problems can happen um and uh and so like if if you and i were both on kite or whatever and we're both using it then it would sort of um you know and you could and like we and we're having our, like we're using our own library or something so they say you guys were using it modern teacher and you're putting in comments to your code base or you put in comments in a kite, like it goes in there and people, when they're using it, they're like, oh, Justin said, just remember when you do this, that blah, blah, blah will happen or whatever. Okay, yeah. Pretty interesting. And it was funny, I was laughing when, when he said, I said, you know, I actually built something just like this, but for trading back in the huh. mid-90s. So when you're trading, it would tell you, oh, you're getting kind of long delta, you're short gamma, you're this and that, so you should do it. So it would, it would kind of talk you through what you're doing and give you advice. Mm. Yeah, the and, training software. Mm-hmm. And so it's just funny. It's like I've been around so long. I've written so much software that like every time someone writes something, I'm like, yeah, I did something like that at one point, I feel like. So it was kind of cool. It's kite, like fly a kite, which is nice. pretty neat. I think he said he was going to send me some. Um, so uh, how did how did they know you? Did it, How did he listen to the show? The, he's, I mean, he said that they were just a bunch of them were sitting around. They were asking where they got their news from. And somebody brought I up, I guess they listened to texting. Okay. So, yeah. um yeah. Anyway, but I thought it was it was cool. He's a nice guy. Uh, there's a bunch of MIT guys. They've you know some. They have some. They're, they're a lot of you know. They they've I think raised a good chunk of money and they had hired a bunch of you know obviously coders and data scientists and you know they done a lot of cool AI stuff. So it's cool. It's cool technology. I mean I I get it. I mean I could see why they're doing. I could see. I said you know this will probably work. I was like you know you know because they want to follow like a bottom up strategy kind of like Yammer. You know, like right. get people using it and it kind of comes up rather than doing top downs, you know, enterprise mm. sales. But it'll really take off in companies because you have all mm. institutionalized knowledge. Yeah. And it's hard to get answers to things. And <clears throat> they're always, yeah, sounds cool. you know, these complex frameworks and, you know, libraries that people. Do you got a domain name? Kite. Oh. Dot com. K-I-T-E. Yeah. Mm. So that's worth mentioning. The other thing I've heard, <laughs> it's funny. So we went. On a uh, Sandy and the kids and I went for their spring break. We went to Catalina for three or four days. Yeah, and that, I tell you about this, did I? You, did, yeah, I, you haven't told me. No, I don't think so. I yes. mean, I knew that you were going there, but you haven't told me. Yeah, yeah, an so interesting we, story about it. Yeah, so I mean, for, I mean, 
Catalina is this island off the coast of California. Yeah. It's, it's like an hour ferry ride or something. Yeah. And it was great because you just drove down, you just drive down to, what was it, Long Beach or something. You know, we, and we're, you know, no traffic. We're down there, park, wait for a ferry, get on the ferry, and then we take it over, and then we're there, and it's like you've gone to Hawaii or something. You know, like you're totally in this other place. Huh. And it wasn't like you had to fly across the thing. I always know about that because of Romancing the Stone. Really? Yeah, Romancing the Stone. He basically says at the end, he says, well, you know, let's go to Catalina. And he, he kind of, he, he's the white horse on the, on. Oh. You know, he, do you know at the end of the end, like the way that the whole Romancing the Stone ends? He, he, he rides up the street on his boat. Yeah, yeah. And he says, okay, we're off to Catalina. Huh. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's funny. So it's, uh, it's really, really nice. I'd recommend it. Yeah. Um, too. It's, it's, a, it's a great, like, short vacation. Huh. Go there for two or three days. Nice. Um, everything is super, super convenient. There's a lot of little fun things to do. Um, but, uh, well, the fun things are there. So we're trying to figure out things to do. We're going on, like, submarine rides, and we're taking tours, oh, and we're cool. going, I mean, we, we're kayaking, and we just did everything, right? And uh, um, the, and then Sandy goes, looked up, she's like, you know, they have UFO tours here. And I'm like, we're totally in on the UFO tours. <laughs> so, so we sign up online, and we, we're supposed to show up at this, you know, at this landmark there. And we're there with the kids. It's like a nighttime tour. And of course, nobody else. It was just us. <laughs> um, and, she, and she's this lady. She does, like, historical and scientific tours. But she started a few years back doing the UFO tours because it currently has been a lot of UFO sightings. Yeah. I'm like, that'll be fun. I mean, just fun, right? Like, I want to hear about this. And we get there, and... It was kind of interesting in the one sense, like she was showing lots of science. She would stop and then she brought her, you know, laptop and she would show videos of different um, scientists talking about exoplanet and Kepler planet hunting and you know, just very scientific aspects of things, which I thought was cool. But when then she started talking about an energy vortex and Catalina, I was like, oh God, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Sandy and I kind of look at each other and I'm just like rolling her eyes and, um, and I, afterwards, I told Colby, you know, I said, listen, I said, the thing about UFO stuff, like, there are some interesting, unexplained uh, little evidence that there's multiple credible witnesses, radar, military. This is fascinating. It's fascinating. Astronauts, I mean, there's some fascinating things. It's, it's really a mystery. But it also attracts a lot of very uh, weird thinking from some very weak-minded people. <laughs> you know, and so you just can hear all kind of random stuff like that. It just mm. doesn't make any kind of scientific sense. So, you know, whatever. I said, this is just for fun. I mean, I like science fiction. I like a mystery. <laughs> you know, I think it's fun. So I thought that was funny, but we're walking back. Colby goes, he's like, he said something like, yeah, I saw, I just saw one. I saw one 10 minutes ago. We're like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Colby, are you telling me you just saw a UFO and you didn't tell me? <laughs> I was like, like Rule number one, if you ever see a UFO and I'm there, tell me. I want to see one. Okay? Tell me. If you see something, say something, right? I'm like, come nice. on, kid. And I'm like, but my guess is you didn't see anything. But in the future, just like, come on. Kid. Tell dad. That's, That's funny. funny. Wouldn't that piss you off? So it's like, no, I totally saw something. I didn't bother like hit me in the ribs. Say they look over there. Didn't you just see him, Dad? Like that spaceship that came out of the sky. There's, there's two it. aliens just came I out of it. I thought you saw it. Oh, <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> oh, that was funny. Um, so that's it, right? 
I need yeah. to I need to get back. My girls are at home, so I need to alone. Sandy's out with Kobe at a baseball game with his or he has two a doubleheader, so they're out for hours. So I need to get back to them. All right, all right, all right. That's a wrap. We're out.